Welcome, everyone, uh, from the cities of San Francisco and Kansas City for enjoying our uh, therapy session today. And uh, for those of you who are living in either Los Angeles or Cincinnati, uh, congratulations to go into the Super Bowl. Uh, but yes, for the rest of the, for the rest of the world, um, I imagine you're feeling some emotional damage. Uh, Brandon McClure, how do you feel about your team losing to uh, one of the teams advancing in sports this year? Oh, this is a sports bit. It is a sports bit. Yes. Oh, I got there. I got there <laughs> eventually, but eventually. But is it sports bit or are you in the Matrix? It's in too late Matrix. for that bit. It's too too late. Late. Brandon loves sports. I can't deal with you right now. <laughs> I can't deal with the tiny alfalfa tuft of hair. <laughs> there was an alfalfa tuft of hair coming out of Ryan's um, finish. Just like, boop, because he tried to zip it up before he started, but his hair was going to get trapped in like, the of your hair. And there was just like oh my gosh. two fingers worth just popping out in the matrix. All right, finish your bit. Yeah, no, my bit's dead. Anyways, this is episode 270. Good God, 270 episodes. Holy crap. Of the Fake Nerd Podcast. I am Ben Magnet. That is Brandon T. McClure. Hello. Who doesn't like sports at all, who has no idea what the heck I'm talking about. But uh, Sparks Witty might have an inkling of what I'm saying or what I was saying. I definitely do. But also, Brandon does like sports. He loves virtual dodgeball. That is, that's like, it's ESPN 8, the Ocho. <laughs> I also really it. like, okay, hold, hold on. I also like Ultimate Frisbee. See? Mm, all right. And uh, Ryan Eliopoulos, who's just along for the ride. And it's like. This just in. Brandon yeah. also wears socks with sandals. Oh, you're a shoebie. See, Ben, I I know sports. I just don't partake in sports anymore. It's just it's just not not my thing anymore. It's just not, yeah. not for me. Originally, I was going to be like, if you live in the cities of San Francisco and Kansas City, I'm like, emotional damage from the famous TikTok slash Instagram real guy, but I totally forgot about that. That's real okay. quickly, I just want to address, address the socks and sandals debate happening off the side here. It's not a debate. It's not a debate. What no, no. What is going on? No, no. There is a very good reason. I don't want you guys to see my toes. I They're mean, gross. So Brandon, don't wear sandals. Brandon, my joke with that wasn't the fact that you actually do that. My joke with that <laughs> is that everybody who likes Ultimate Frisbee does that. That's, yeah. I guess I don't like Ultimate Frisbee that much. <laughs> don't even get it. All right. Hi, guys. All right. Um, we got some links in the description. I'll just interrupt this and get us back on topic. We have some mm -hmm. links in the description. Um, real quickly, as far as this network goes, make sure to like this video and subscribe to this channel, and you can check out all of our other things. Sparks was kind enough to split up our episode from last week, so both Matrix discussions, the topic and the book club, are available as their own videos. Yeah, you know, we'll see what kind of traffic that book club gets. So if you guys want to just, if you guys just want the Matrix stuff that we're talking about, it's all there for you, baby. We're not done yet. And... Ryan, no. Hey. Nope. All right, that's the wrong one. <laughs> all right, bye. All right, so, all right. And then other thing on the network, speaking of book clubs, I my interview with Ryan Parrott dropped our special for the Victor Book Club. That dropped this week. Um, that was a really awesome interview. Um, I can I can say that I've I've read the first two issues of Rogue Son. Um, they're great. He was a really cool guy to talk to. He was very fun. We had a lot of the same energy going on, so we were bouncing off each other. I, th I felt very well. Um, yeah, just an all-around good interview. I felt, anyway. Um, nice. So, yeah, if you want to check that out, if you're excited for Rogue Son, or if you're just interested in his Mighty Morphin Power Rangers stuff, which he is, like, the only guy writing that book right now, <laughs> um, check it out. Beautiful. 
And there's some personal links in the description. For example, Ryan, for real this time, Ryan. For reals. Uh, downright annoyed. Downright annoyed with upgrade. Uh, let me upgrade you. Yeah, I picked 2018's Lee Winnell's Logan Marshall Green, not Tom Hardy's upgrade. That movie is a modern sci-fi classic, I think. I also think that. That's all I want to say. If you haven't seen Upgrade, go see Upgrade. You're, a f I'm, I'm just gonna say you're a fool if you haven't seen Upgrade. Did we review Upgrade? No. Or was that pre? No, it was. We were, we were doing stuff, but we didn't review it. Got it. Yeah, I think we, I think it kind of slipped under our radar. If I, I don't. It was so long ago. Yeah, I mean, I saw it in theaters. I just, I don't remember. Yeah. Um, and then Ben. Me. You had a lot of stuff this week, actually. Mm -hmm. I did. Oh yeah, I did. I got you it. did. Uh, so first, lack of genius. Yep. So you're on that for that episode. Mm -hmm. That episode is up. I was on. I was a guest on their show, and according to friend of the show Grayson, I'm the. If you listen to that show all the way through, because they ha they put little uh, snippets at the end from dur during the episode that uh, kind of like a like a farewell, kind of like what we do sometimes. Mm -hmm. I was the first guest to ever have one of those snippets at the end of the show. Very cool. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's linked below. Sorry, yeah. <laughs> it had nothing to do with like the content of the episode, so it kind of oh, threw me. Yeah, like uh, okay. you were going to talk about, like, oh yeah, we talked about this. It's a fun yeah, thing. Yeah, and uh, you were like, gave... no, no, we did a thing. Apologies, I gave them a, I um, crafted and gave them a retro video game quiz that was pretty good, if I do say so myself. Had a lot of good, interest, interesting nuggets of knowledge in there. So definitely go check that out and expand your knowledge of retro video games. So that's linked below, and of course, Ben. Also, you are going through Super Mario 3D World with Grayson yep. on his channel, Grayson Live. Um, both yep. of the episodes that dropped this week are linked below. Mm -hmm. Yep. Uh, I mean, th there's not much to say, but the only really fun bit of, I'll say is uh, when the latest episode dropped, I want to say on Friday. Yeah, let's say Friday. When that one dropped, uh, Grayson put on his little tweet about Sailor Moon. I'm like, what? Did we talk about Sailor Moon in that? And apparently we did. And it's like, oh yeah, that's right. I forgot. I'm a... Um, <clears throat> What was I going with this? Oh yeah. A weeboo? Yeah, totally. Yeah, I'm totally a weeb. Sailor or a weeb. Awesome. I don't know. It's, it's a weeb. It's weeb. Yeah. yeah. Totally a weeb. Sailor Moon's awesome. Sailor Venus is my favorite. Don't at me. <laughs> Super Mario 3D World. <laughs> I don't think anyone was going to at you about that one, buddy. <laughs> All right. Um, And then a latest issue from your Old School Gamer Magazine stuff is up. Yep. I published an article on the website, oldschoolgamermagazine.com. I looked in the news. This is the news, but I'll definitely talk about it more in my week. And the article is essentially me talking about why Atari, Konami, and what Square wants to do with a certain internet trend is a very bad way to celebrate big anniversaries. It's mostly aimed at Atari and Konami because they're having big anniversaries this year, or at least they had one in the previous year. And the way that they're celebrating them makes me sick to my stomach. And I'll talk about, about more about that in my, uh, in my week. All right. Um, of course, my screen rant work. That's all for Ben. Um, my screen rant work is uh, always there. I got a, um, I got a, uh, Brendan Fraser article coming later. It's uh, I got a Wachowski one, and I got a. Oh, was the Sam Raimi one this week? I don't know. Well, there's a lot of stuff there that I've been writing. I've been writing a lot for them. Um, so check it out if you're interested. It's all there. Um, but also. Uh, for Atomic Geekdom, as I've mentioned before, I'm going through what I believe to be the 50 defining moments of the MCU during the Infinity Saga. A series called Revisiting the Infinity Saga, the latest issue, the latest piece, entry, is up on Atomic Geekdom. 
Um, that's 48 uh, a first stance between Captain America and Peggy was the, the topic I talked about. So that's all linked down below. Check them all out. We all work really hard. We, we like the stuff that we put out. So do us a favor and check it all out if you want. That was really interesting. That was interesting. I wouldn't put uh, um, Captain and, uh, Cap and Peggy's first dance uh, on the list. I was like, oh, yeah, that is a moment I forgot. That is a good, that is a nice moment. Uh, I lost, I lost all emotional stability at that scene. So I figured it should be up there. It's, that it's, is. but, but, you know, I'm working my way to what I think is like the most defining moment, which I've actually already talked to Sparks about. So spoiler Sparks, you know it. I do. <laughs> I'm, I'm, um, I'm just here for the ride. I'm, I look forward to every time I see a new one of those getting posted. I was like, sweet. What, what moment is he got to talk about this time? Oh, I appreciate that. Thank you very much. Um, all right. Who wants to go first of their week? Ben. I guess I will. Uh, all right, fine, but that's okay. So, uh, media-wise, um, I caught up on Demon Slayer. The newest episode dropped today. Of course, it ended with a cliffhanger that made me, my entire household go, no, because it was a very uh, emotional cliffhanger. Um, something premiered this week that I was looking forward to, and I saw the first three episodes in one go, because luckily they're short. They're like 20, 25-minute episodes, and that's The Legend of Vox Machina that dropped on Amazon Prime this week. And it made me so excited that I started, that I actually went went through uh, iTunes to try and re-listen to some of the old Vox Machina campaign. I found it, and I'm listening when, uh, Ryan, you know when they started taking this job from the Slayers take in Vassalheim. I, I, there's like 400 episodes. I don't remember when that is. <laughs> that's like episode, that was years ago. Probably, that's only like five years ago at this point. <laughs> that's like episode 40-something. Okay, yeah, that's really... um, did anyone else, uh, Ryan, did you watch it at all or not yet? No, I forgot it came out. No. Yeah. Um, just the whole time I'm watching it, it's, it's one of those shows where if you haven't seen or you don't know what Critical Role is, what Vox Machina is, it's a very entertaining, albeit very gory show. But if you have listened to all the episodes, you're gonna get it's you get so much more. Like there's stuff from the Chroma Conclave, the Briarwoods. There's so many things about in the in these first three episodes that made me go, "Oh my god, I can't wait to see what they do." Yeah, and, I've heard nothing but good things, so I'm excited to watch it. Yeah, it's really well animated. It's just it's just fun to listen to. I had to keep reminding myself that all the original voice actors are there because I mean, when you first listen to them doing the podcast. They're not behind the booth. They're they they don't have anything to like tweak their voices or whatever or to like make it crisp and clear. But man, they are still those characters. It's just so nice to hear. I and mean, also, I love like pointing out where Matt Mercer is throughout the episode. Mm-hmm. Oh, he's probably cameos like a bunch of people. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, he's the dungeon master, so of course he has to do different voices. And every time he pops up, it's like, oh, there he is. This is probably a really stupid question, <laughs> so I'm going to ask it anyway. Um, there's a lot of celebrity uh, celebrity guest stars. Uh, that they announced a couple weeks back, like David Tennant, and that's the only name I recognize. But still, like, um, they have all these people. Are they're not voicing the character? Like, they weren't in the original no, podcast. No. Right? Okay, no, they weren't. The that's characters that, like, um, the character that David Tennant voiced, um, it, it would have been Matthew Mercer if in the actual podcast. Sometimes, I, I mean, uh, Joe Maginello came in for a few episodes. Um, Will Whedon and a few other famous actors came in because they also play Dungeons and Dragons. And they have their own separate characters. So if those characters were to make it into the show Legends of Box Machina, I can only assume they call them up and said, hey, you want to record some lines? I 100% think like Joe Maxwell would show up in the show. Oh, like, yeah. That, I mean, that I, only I, makes sense. Like he, he's hung out with them multiple times and his like mm-hmm. his own D&D character is like ingrained in their history and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. 
cool. Yeah, so Legend of Vox Machina, I, I would highly recommend it. It's like the first three episodes when I found I didn't know I didn't know they dropped the first three episodes. I mean, I guess it's kind of their ML because they did the same thing with Invincible, but they're like only a half hour long. It's an hour and a half to watch all three. Really entertaining, really good. And I say give it a shot. Hell yeah. I'm excited. Awesome. Yeah. Uh, and now to the big one. So obviously earlier I talked about my article. Um, I found out that Atari celebrating Atari this year's Atari's 50th anniversary. And 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 for them to celebrate it, Atari decided that they are going to do something called GFTs, which are essentially loot box NFTs for their 50th anniversary. And I freaking hate it. It is yeah. the dumbest. And another piece of media um, I was listening to, I was listening to the video Line Goes Up, which is a two hour and 18 minute yes. long NFT video, which essentially gives us the whole history of cryptocurrency and NFTs. God, it's scary. This stuff scares me because not because not only is Atari doing it, uh, Konami did it. For Castlevania's 35th anniversary, they released 14 NFTs in an auction, and with that auction, they ra- they earned over 162 thousand mm-hmm. dollars. I want to I want to real quickly uh, also chime in. Every time a new movie shows up on AMC's, like um, you know, hey, tickets for this movie are out now. They always say, buy tickets for this movie and get a free NFT. Yep. Oh god, it's a it's a trend, and it's going to be here for a while, unfortunately, because. <clears throat> The billionaires love it. The rich people love it. So they're gonna shill it until it doesn't work anymore. Yeah, I mean, I know it's a two it's a two hour long video, but if you don't really know what an NFT is, it's definitely give that video definitely give that video a watch. It it clears up a lot of things, and it just just this whole cryptocurrency because I didn't like cryptocurrency before. Now I doubly hate it, and because oh, yeah. these because the way these companies are doing because all Atari is doing is just doing this big GFT thing and they're also only selling t-shirts on the website. They're not doing anything else. No other merch, no other celebratory um, video games coming out. No, nothing. It's just the NF- it's just the GFTs and a few t-shirts. And if you go on their website, they're all sold out. Uh, it's 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 truly insidious because like there's no easy way like to buy NFTs, you have to get in the cryptocurrency. That's how you buy it is through cryptocurrency. So like from from the bottom to the top, it's all scam, no matter which mm-hmm. way you look at it. And it's like, that's why so many people, like anytime anyone announces that someone's immediately on top, I'm like, this is a bad idea. You should reconsider. And if they're yeah. smart, they do. And a lot of them don't. Since we're, <laughs> since we're talking about it, um, Ryan, you shared the Fallon bit. That's one of the oh. most in, insane interviews I've ever seen because the audience is like, are we supposed to clap? And then they're told to clap and everyone starts clapping for a yeah. monkey picture. That's obviously ugly. Ugly. Pictures, yeah. ugly. Oh, I haven't, I haven't seen it. And like, and like looking at that, looking at that moment of them both like sharing their apes, I'm like, oh my God, like this feels like this would be a bit in a film about like, wow, this is where society is. Like really idiocracy. Crumbles, huh? And I'm yeah. like, yeah. No. Yeah. Ben, did you see, yeah. did you see that video? I haven't seen the found bit, but if they're, if he's, if you, if they're discussing the whole apes thing, because, the thing about crypto, especially with the people who are in it, it's either you're all in and you and you're like a televangelist essentially. Like the the video uh, line goes up, calls them evangelists because that's how crazy into this they are. And if like any form of criticism, it's like you just don't understand. You don't understand. But of course, the second something goes wrong, like someone hacks into another guy's crypto wallet, steals nineteen thousand dollars worth of crypto, whatever, they can't do anything about it. 
I've seen screenshots of people with their NFTs as a stupid profile picture on Instagram. And of course you get a lot of people replying with the same one. And the guy goes, Oh, I'm within walking distance within my uh, police police officer. Cops ain't going to do jack shit. Can I also share the funniest tweet I saw in regards to Twitter's like, Hey, now you can put NFTs as your profile picture. It's going to be a, ho- a hexagon, a hexagon, a hexagon. Um, and, and someone was like, this is a great first step Twitter, but you know, you got to get rid of, if you really want to be NFT progressive or whatever, you got to get rid of the right click button or whatever. And mm-hmm. someone took a screenshot of that tweet and then posted it and said, yeah, Twitter, get with the program. And they had the same profile picture. <laughs> and I was just like, that's, that's good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, just it's it's nightmarish. And I think that the two thoughts on NFTs real quick. I think that this very clearly, especially this week, has shown like, you know, maybe just sometimes don't trust that celebrities actually understand what they're endorsing. Not at all. Never. No. Pretty much uh, never. Like, Assume that they haven't done the research and don't know and they're just hopping on the A trend. lot of them this is has like, been a wonderful example of that where yeah. it's like, oh man, look at you rally to this cause of you have no idea what you're doing. Um Case in point, Troy Baker. Yeah, that dude's been. That dude's been. He he was. He's usually on vocal on Twitter, but he's been silent for two weeks. And I'm like, man, he got his ass handed to him, and yeah. like he's still recovering from that. And I get it because like, mm-hmm. I can imagine getting millions of people yelling at you. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Kevin Smith sold one of his movies as an NFT. Yeah, he's he's super into it, and like he's that dude's so far gone. We're in playing. His own hole, we're so. playing really fast and loose with getting too close to the reality that money isn't real. Yes, and we need to be really careful with that. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. And that's we the whole thing about digital <clears throat> art yeah. and everything yeah. is stupid. Yeah, I mean, I mentioned this in the article, but with and with gaming companies try and we Ubisoft's doing his own thing. I didn't really mention Ubisoft uh, in the Ubisoft, article. Uh, let me tell them real, real quick what Ubisoft does. So, like, they have they're doing their own gaming NFTs where if you play for like six hundred hours, you'll get an, a helmet that only you can have. And then you can sell it for as much money as you want. And that's like, you own that helmet. It is only your helmet. You can give it to someone else. And like, who's going to buy that helmet for $10,000? What do you tell? Stupid. It's a stupid market and it's, it's failing. It's not, it's making, it's losing yeah. that money. Like what scares me with NFTs, is like, especially what Ubisoft is doing or even what Atari is doing with their GFTs. Well, since so it's a freaking GFT loot box, that's even dumber. That's, that's, it's even more gambling. Like you're gambling yeah, even- for a fake thing. <laughs> It's even worse if you go to that freaking website and you go scroll down, they have like a rating. You have a 0.2% chance of getting the rarest freaking one. It's like, oh, great. Do I buy a lottery ticket or do I buy a GFT? I'd rather buy a lottery ticket. At least then I get real money if I win. Yeah. Well, it, it, it all it sucks and we all know it, Ben. Don't worry. Yeah, it sucks. I hate it. Um, yeah, of course, the second I put that thing on Instagram, like four NFT bots on Instagram were like, yo, promote on this. I said, no, I blocked them all. Oh yeah, that's perfect. Yeah. There's a perfect Venn diagram of people who understand NFTs are bullshit and also like the Matrix Resurrections, and they're the same people. <laughs> yeah, so that, that was my big thing. That was my uh, that was my big thing because I saw that I was like, dear dear God, Atari, why did a little digging? And I was like, yikes, this is a scary ass thing. So NFT suck, cryptocurrency sucks, and next time I go to a LA Kings hockey game, I'm going to cringe because freaking crypto.com bought this naming rights to this table center it freaking sucks that that is the craziest thing i, I that. hate that name so forever now crypto.com Di- god it's god awful it sucks digital scarcity is not a thing it does not exist do no, not make it a thing no it's not and uh yeah right click save mother effort so besides that i did do some fun things besides scream at nfts and the uncaring void uh, i played a little 
uh, Brand, we played some Knockout City this week, right? Or am I misremembering? We did. Yeah, we played some Knockout City earlier today. I played some oh, Fortnite with uh, with these two guys and Marty, friend of the show. You played Fortnite with him? No, I know. I'm not. I, I'm not Knockout City. I know you were really hot on. <laughs> I'm it. talking about you Fortnite. Just haven't touched it since. Hey guys, sometimes you don't like a game as much as other no, people. That's no cool. big deal. That's fine. That's fine. I I played Knockout with him. I played Fortnite with you guys. We kicked ass oh, yeah. and took names. It was a fun time. We did kick oh. ass. And take <clears throat> yeah. Also, I was playing. I was. Re, I'm replaying Final Fantasy III on my DS. Freaking love that game. I got to a boss, which I was stuck on the first time I played it. Second time, second time around, kicked its ass. I'm like, okay, must have missed something the first time I was playing it. Now I'm farther in the story than I've ever been. So because well, you're a grown adult and you know better now. You know how to you know how to be a, a J, JRPG man. Yeah. Ben, you've grown as a person. Yeah. That I have. And that's pretty much it. That's my week. Beautiful. All right. Who wants to go next? Most of my stuff is with you, so let's uh, let's just go. Okay. You, you go first. Okay. Yeah. Um, I, I didn't really do much. We finished. You'd seen it. I finished yeah. Midnight Mass. He was there. Yes. Midnight Mass is great. Believe the hype. Yep. <laughs> I really like it. Really, really like it. Uh, we can't. There's, there's, we can't. One thing, like, I can't talk a lot. About you can't it. talk a lot about it because it's a show that, like, the the story itself is a spoiler, which yeah. I'm yeah. glad that, like, it hasn't been like massively revealed to the world, which is great. Yeah. Uh, there's some stuff about that show I'll be thinking about for a long time. There's an ending of an episode that is maybe one of my favorite endings to an, any episode of anything. Um, is it like and, is it is it like the sad one? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, and then we sat there through the credits and the, yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> but then there's also uh, it. It probably has like one of my favorite like contemplations on death in general. I don't think that's a spoiler. No. Uh, it's very it's very good. Flanagan knows what's up. Um, I watched this week's episode of How I Met Your Father. I like that. It's very cool. Oh, I did um, that too. I'm happy for Hillary Duff. New new theme song? Uh, it's like a, a alternate dirt version of the original. That's what I wanted, yeah. actually. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Peacemaker. Caught up. That's a great show. We watched two episodes. <laughs> That's a great show. That's a great show. <laughs> no, yeah, for real. Uh, man, like... I, I didn't think, like, I honestly, like, I'm liking it more and more as I go. And this last episode was just, it was one of the most action-packed. But, like, it had some serious, like, emotional stuff to it. And the end ends on a cliffhanger where, like, uh, like this is a James Gunn thing. Really? Where, like, he loves killing fools. And I'm like, I care about every single one of these characters. And I feel like any, any one of them could die. And I'm like, I know it's going to happen. I know it's going to happen. And I really don't have, it's, I don't hope, whatever the next episode is, I hope it's not that. Because yeah. that would be traumatizing. Yeah. Um, but it's in a really interesting place. And like again, like really great character growth. Like it's because it's a TV show, so it obviously has more time. But like this, these are the most well-developed characters in the DC universe. And it's Peacemaker and Vigilante. It just boggles my mind. Like I am so in love with these characters. Yeah. Uh, and it's really because of the writing. The writing is just so sharp. Uh Vigilante, like uh, I hope that dude gets a resurgence into the the beautiful psychopath character that he is today like give him a solo where he's this young uh uh doesn't know the difference between murder and graffiti as a crime so he'll kill you both like what a just what a dude uh i love following him he loves chainsaws it's a great time <laughs> yeah great time so awesome um i agree completely peacemakers awesome and i think it only makes the suicide squad suicide squad better mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um I watched some Craig of the Creek because I'm super behind. So I decided I had some time and I was looking for something to do. And I'm like, I'm going to 
I'm going to pick back up on Craig of the Creek. That show's great. If you like cartoons, Craig of the Creek. Uh, Legends of Tomorrow. I watched the most recent episode. Not the most recent. A little bit behind. I watched an episode. It was good. <laughs> uh, Legends of Tomorrow continues to be kind of like the best version of what I think their over shows can be, aside from Superman and Lois and Black mm-hmm. Lightning, which is now over. So, um, Batwoman, I also watched, and it was totally cool and all right. <laughs> yeah. It's there. I'm not crazy about the new Joker created by Joker. Joker. All right. I'm not. I'm not vibing that story as much as I'm vibing the Poison Ivy one. Mm-hmm. Which is fine because, like, it's clearly the secondary story to Poison Ivy, but like, kind of don't care for it. You know, I was gonna, I was gonna say it's kind of cool that like they found a workaround of using Batman's villains by like making them legacy villains. I think that's a cool workaround for that. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I think that that's that's been really nice with some of them for sure. Yeah. Um, Book of Boba Fett. Oh, I, oh, right. I did watch an episode of The Mandalorian this week. I loved it. <laughs> if, me I, too. if I had a table in front of me at the end of the episode, I would have flipped it over. Uh, that's how I feel about Book of Boba Fett right now. So, Wait, I don't know if that's a good one. or I, it's, it's, it's bad. I don't. I'm oh, not happy. no. Oh, no. Oh. I agree with you. But it's because I like this episode so much, which is like. Yeah, but I'm not happy with No, I get right it. Now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, no, yeah. Uh, we, we've we've dovetailed and turned and like I, I I now don't have faith that the show will. Now you where I'm at. Now I'm where you're at, yeah, yeah, where yeah. I don't have faith that the show is actually going to end in a satisfying way for Boba Fett's story. Yeah, but like so I'm like cool. cool is the, really, how, yeah, but really glad Saber. this is the Mandalorian season three subtitled Book of Boba Fett. This is really a story about Mando. Um, yeah, but but that's where I'm at. Yeah, Sorry. but I do got to slice up Mando. Should probably watch that. Yeah, watch it. No, I haven't seen it for a couple. You're of the weeks. guy who likes it. <laughs> That's minor, why I stopped watching it. My minor minor spoilers. Mandalorian is all up in that episode. Oh no, yeah, that's. I don't uh, think that's a spoiler. Yeah, it's it's. We'll see. Maybe I'll be wrong. I will be happy to be right about what I originally desired for the show because I've been really happy up to this point. It's funny because like it's a good episode, but it's a good episode that pissed me off. It's in the wrong way. Yeah. Um. Superman, Lois, Ryan, and I are back to it. We're trying to catch up. I'm so glad we're back to it. It's a great show. We came back on the right episode. Oh my god. Uh, I love that show, man. And again, like, all, like, Kyle, the father of one of, like, the kids who's a side character. He's, like, just this random, like, like uh, southern guy. I like him a lot. He's just a dad trying to do his best. And, like, he got turned into a supervillain, and now he's not a supervillain. And he's like, I feel bad about it. And I'm like... I, uh, a very, a very clear... Uh, analogous stand-in for a guy who got duped by Trump but was really had the best intentions when he oh, did Oh, yeah, there's a lot of that in that show. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, um, that show's great. I also watched some Mobile Suit Gundam. I'm trying to get back on that because, like, I like it. It's got good military <clears throat> story stuff. Um, Amaro is maybe one of the worst characters I've ever watched in any fictional property ever. Oh, my. And yeah, he's yeah. the main character, and I think he's yeah. shit. Oh, but my. everybody else is fantastic. So you're kind of like, <laughs> at least there, there was a recent episode where Amaro is just kind of like, what if I just don't, what if I just don't do the Gundam? Oh, and God, is he Shinji? <laughs> He's worse. Uh, oh, like Shinji, Shinji has like reasons yeah. to be Shinji. Oh, Amaro has is nothing. He's like idea? super privileged and just decides that his only valid thing was that he's like, 
bro, I'm, like, really tired because I've been doing nothing but defending this base for, like, two weeks straight from every single attack that's happened because I'm the only person that can pilot Gundam. And I'm like, that's fair, Amaro. But then everything else about that is, is like, his reaction to it is, what if I just don't help anymore? What if I quit? You guys do it. Seems, I don't care. Bad. Like, he just... He's, like... His whole thing is that, like, for some reason... He has to be the only guy who can pilot the Gundam, and that's the only reason we need Amuro around. And then outside of that, Amuro is kind of the worst character ever. Uh, so I really hate him. But the rest of the show is great. Um, it's really interesting yeah. because uh, Char Char is supposed to be the bad guy. Yeah, and I'm like, I love him. He's probably my favorite character. <laughs> yeah, He's so Char good. so bad. You love him. Just wait till after you're done watching this. Go ahead and watch Mobile Suit Gundam: The Origin. Oh, you're gonna love him even ben, more. Ben, I've got my list. I know what I'm doing. All right. Machete or Amaro is a piece of shit, though. No, you're, you're absolutely I, right. Amaro. Even Amaro kind of sucks. <laughs> not okay, not kind of. Uh, he really sucks. Every every other soldier, every other pilot on that team. I'm like, I like you more. The only reason why I I tolerate Amaro is because he's the pilot of the Gundam, and that's my favorite mobile suit. That's the only reason anybody tolerates Amaro. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. I I'm really glad that it's a very good updated dub. I think it's very, very well designed. It's a good sound. They've got really good voice actors for pretty much everybody, even Amuro. Like, the voice actor is very good at playing the piece of shit that Amuro is. <laughs> um, my my thing about it is that, like, it's so wild to me to be watching Scooby-Doo-style animation. Yeah. But, like, such an in, it, like intriguing and intelligently written military story about strategy and how they're traveling through space and how they need to plan what they're doing. Also... Uh, the good guys do a really shitty thing where I'm like, this is kind of messed up. Uh, they have a bunch of civilians on white base. And so they're like, hey, and they radio to Zion because Zion has been like chasing them and attacking them like this whole time. They're like, yo, man, like we're on Earth now. We've, we've made it pretty far. Can we like cool it for like two hours and let us put a transport ship down just to get the civilians off our military vessel? And they're like, you know what? That's fair. Yeah, sure. And then, and then the Federation is like, <laughs> we're going to put the gun on the transport and get it behind their troops they were so nice but we're gonna screw them for it and i'm like that's kind of that's kind of rude they were really nice they let the civilians down Is that a war crime <laughs> sounds like a war crime it was a little like i don't know about that decision guys but okay like it gets even worse because there's a part where like one of the tr one of the troops who's working for like who would be the bad guys the zion is like flying Zero. over and sees a mother and child heading off in the wrong direction and he's like, um, I feel kind of bad because, like, there's nothing where they're going. They think their village used to be there, and it's not. And so he flies back to drop a supply parachute for them. That seems not that so and bad. And Amaro's like, yo, I'm going to screw them up when they fly back the other way, though. I'm going to shoot that ship down. And I'm like, this is, this is bad. <laughs> this is maybe not good. Yeah. Definitely tell. That's why the show's good. Yeah. The, yeah. yeah, Mobile Suit Gundam definitely has its moments where you would think that, oh, the, the Earth Federation and the good guys, Xeon, are the fascists, fa the fascists, and then you see the dark side of both, or like the dark side of what the Federation can do and what Xeon can do as like, hey, they're not all horrible people. Right, yes. But, I, like I, the zombie I, family sucks. I mean, the zombie family, yeah, like what happens to zombie family, good for them. But everything else, it's like, oh man, why is the Federation doing this? Because of the feds. Yeah. 
And lastly, uh, the last thing I'll bring up is that it was Ryan's birthday. And I think for his birthday, he and I might have just become best friends. Yes! <laughs> uh, Ryan showed me Step Brothers, which I, I've never seen before. I love Step Brothers. Yeah. It's been a long time since I watched it. Definitely came out in the 2000s. It's got some potty humor that's no longer cool. Uh, you know, some R words, some some F words. Some hard R words. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It was well, no, yeah, yeah, different, sure. different time. But uh, outside of that nugget of history, uh, I think it still holds up. I think it's exceptional. I honestly, looking at it this time, I love all the side characters. I think even more than the main characters. Catherine Hahn going buck wild. Catherine Hahn is, you will never see her be more wild. And then she made a movie called Bad Moms after this. And she's the bad mom in this movie. Um, really great stuff. Richard Jenkins, who is like, who is a nice old man in so many movies. Like, he's so fun and unhinged. Yeah, he is. Uh, he's, he's out of out of it. Just like a really, stu- like truly stupid bonkers movie um, where a lot of the improv just really works. Um and a lot of specific comedy that just like you have to see that are believable, like, especially like the drum set stuff with like the opera music. Uh, that will always make me laugh no matter how many times I see it. I am so surprised they didn't do a rule of three on that. Yeah, they only got to twice. The opera's thing only happens twice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I thought for sure, well, there will be a third time, then he's going to do yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I think um, I, I'm glad I got to watch it again with my homies. Good. It's a very fun time. It's a goddamn yeah. Catalina White Mixer. It is. Yeah, yeah. Ryan. What's up? So Happy I did birthday. everything he said. Um, I said happy I, birthday, damn it. Oh, sorry. Thank you so much. Uh, I'm already over my birthday. It's cool. I appreciate you. Um, I, I don't talk about it every week, but I'm always reading X-Men comics. You know, Chris Claremont wrote X-Men for almost 17 years. So I'm working my way through. Uh, I'm almost at 200, which is cool. So I still have like a couple hundred more issues. Um, but uh, that stuff's still great. I, I love X-Men. Uh, I read, there's a great Infinity comic called Spine Tingling Spider-Man. And it is a horror Spider-Man comic where um, uh, I don't think it's Nightmare itself, but it's a nightmare-esque demon creature traps Spider-Man in like in his dreams. This is one of the Marvel Unlimited. Scrolling. The webtoon, basically, that yeah. webtoons one, yeah, where it's like a, it's all scrolling one giant art image. Uh, if the artist puts the effort in, like sometimes they're just regular comics. Uh, this one, it's really beautiful and cool. Um, the, the the issue seven is really cool because like Spider-Man, uh, he meets a bunch of people who are trapped and they are really scared. Uh, and this little boy is like, oh my god, are you Spider-Man? Please help me. And Peter Parker is going through his own shit, but he sees that someone needs help. And he's like, oh shit, no, I am Spider-Man. I am the guy. And he rises up and he's like, what's up, New York? I'm Spider-Man. Let's get out of this dream. And he's like, you are not lazy. You are not scared. You are warriors. All of you are warriors. And it turns into Inception. And he's like, if you believe it, you can be it. And then they all like get like dream weapons and they become like dream warriors to fight this demon. And I'm like, this is so weird. It's like it's like a rock opera, Spider-Man horror comic, and I'm like, this is real great. Check it out if you got Marvel Unlimited. Uh, I love playing some Fortnite. Uh, Green Goblin looks real cool. It's got a cool pumpkin glider. Big fan of that. Uh, and that's then I watched a bunch of stuff. I watched some Matrix Resurrection scenes because it's no longer on <laughs> HBO Max mm-hmm. on YouTube. Uh, okay, yeah, I guess my turn. Um, I you know outside of. I didn't really do a whole lot because I was really busy this week, but like I watched some Battlestar. We're done with season three, going on to season four. Mm-hmm. Um, read my book, but I'll, so I'll only highlight like two things I did. Um, so I did Dragon Ball Mystical Adventure. That's the third Dragon Ball film um, uh, that adapts the uh, basically the tor- the first tournament arc loosely. Yeah. Um, second tournament. Second tournament. Really. Yeah, because the first tournament happens before uh, the Red Ribbon stuff. 
Oh right, but it's the Jack but it's the it? first in this one because they they sh they shuffled it because that's it, the Master Roshi. Yes, and but it, it would it's adapting the second tournament really. Right. Anyway, I actually found it more enjoyable than the first two. It's the weirdest one uh, because it shoves a lot of that of that arc in there, like way more than I thought. Like Doctor Slump shows up, and I'm like, Do you have time for this? You're only fifty minutes. Doctor Slump. Um, like I, it's funny that they kept that crossover from uh, the the show. Like that was important to them. But we got to get that Doctor Slump crossover in there. Doctor Doctor Slump is a, a the other manga that Toriyama made uh, before Dragon Ball that got very popular and famous. And there's a little girl in it named Rayleigh, and she's basically an undefeatable android. Um, and there's even an episode of Dragon Ball Super where she all comes back again and neither Goku or Vegeta can defeat her and like canon is meaningless. <laughs> Pretty much. Um, General Tao is still a fun character. I like him. Um, weird choice. Weird choice for what they did with Chaozu and Tien. Chaozu is an emperor. Yep. And Tien is his confidant. Yep, essentially. Weird. I, mean, I suppose if you think of like little like baby emperors, I could see Chaozu being one of those, like little cherubic. I guess it's also it's also the only backstory Chaozu has ever been given because he's always just been like a clown boy to me. Like I don't. Yeah, when, when, when we meet on? when we meet him and Tien, it's at that it's at the second tournament, isn't it? Yeah, and they're already they're already. He's just weaker than Tien and Tien's friend, and there's no explanation about why he looks the way he does, like a mime or anything like that. <laughs> yeah, but in, I mean, but in the film, they're like, he's an emperor, and that's why he's like this. Uh, outside of that, it's really bonkers. It's goofy as hell. It moves really fast. It doesn't feel like it. It struggles to uh, with it, what it's adapting. Uh, ultimately, I found it very fun. Yes, um, Mystical Adventure of the original traditional Dragon Ball films is the only one I think is kind of entertaining. Yeah. Um, and then I, guys, Saga came back. I've uh, heard Saga is apparently back. Mm -hmm. Uh, I, I don't believe it, but I'm holding it upside down, but it's here. This is the oh. physical book, oh. Saga. Uh, Saga came back with issue 55, and I was like, well, shit, I definitely wrote this book off. Maybe it's still good. Um, yeah. it's great. I'm really happy to be back in that world, Fiona Staples. So wonderful to see our art back again in the world. Uh, there's some great, there's some great uh, splash pages. They're all oh, just, just gorgeous. Yeah, really cool. Happy that that book is back. I stopped collecting single issues a long time ago, so that is now a trade book. That's fine. They do very well in trades. Oh yeah, oh yeah, oh yeah. Oh, yeah. I've been getting Saga in trades since I could. Yeah, yeah that's a all their all their books that's it's rare for image to do this but like all their books are really successful because it's like you know you get the single issue and then the trade comes out the month after the single issues go on hiatus and then the compendium comes out like 24 issues after that and it's so consistent at least it was before the three-year one-year hiatus yeah. um it's so consistent that if you're like oh i missed the first six issues i'll pick up the trade and then by the time you finish reading the trade the next issue is out and so you can pick that up at the store it's and good. so that that was such a consistent schedule that it really helped that book I really wish more companies were like that because like 
uh, Robin, the the Williamson, uh, uh, like Robin solo book where he's like has like a, a tournament arc. Uh, those first two issues were sold out of my store. So like I couldn't get it. And I looked when the trade's coming out and it's like six months after the first trade would be done. And I'm like, oh, I that's I don't want to wait that long. But yeah. Image, yeah, like you see those trades like like immediately. Like they're so good about that. Yeah. And it helps people with consistent schedules, both trade. Now, trade people are like, oh, I know when the next one is coming out. It's this many months after the last yeah. one. Uh, it's beautiful. It's wonderful. It's a wonderful system. So hopefully that continues and that book will uh, make it to its hundred this year. Oh, I, it might take another 10 years, but it'll happen. Right. <laughs> um, that's it. That's all I did. I didn't do anything else, but right. I was, I was pretty busy this week. That's great. Um, so there you go. So shall we get into our bread? What are you doing, Ryan? Don't worry about it. <laughs> I got, I got cat issues. <laughs> <laughs> shall we get into our bread and butter? I believe yes. so. All right, let's get into some sad news real quick. Uh, this happened today. Chels- Chesley Christ passed away this week. Now, if, uh, if you don't know who this is, uh, she was a correspondent for Extra. She did that interview with Tumara Morrison and Ming-Na Wen. Um, and uh, uh, she was a former USA. The only reason why I'm bringing it up is because she was 30 years old and she died of suicide. Oh, oh buddy. Yeah. That that uh, was really rough. Yeah. Uh, man, it's life's hard, man. And, you know, some people just can't can't take it. And that that is a bummer. Uh, yeah. If you feel bad, seek help, y'all. It's not, it's not bad to seek help. Uh, Ming-Na put out that they had just been interviewed by her for a book of Boba Fett like two weeks, two weeks ago. Yeah. That's sad. And, and then Peter Robbins, who is the original voice of Charlie Brown. Uh, he was the, in the old in the old uh, specials. He passed away at the age of 65 again due to suicide. Hot dog, man. Charlie Brown, man, that's, that's a, many people's childhoods, man. That's, yeah. that's awful. He had he had a, a long history of mental illness uh, that was just recently diagnosed um, before he was sent to prison a lot because they just didn't have a diagnosis for him. Mm. Um, I think it was bipolar disorder. I don't want to misdiagnose, but I, I believe that's what I read. Um, and then finally this year. That's, that's sad. Yeah. Wild. Two, yeah. two, two suicides. Like, like Ryan said, if you, if you feel sad, seek help. Yeah, man. Nothing's wrong with that. No. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. So again, some casting news. Cat, cat nudes? What? Cats? Casting. Casting. Oh. <laughs> like, casting. 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 I think that's a producer's joke. I don't know. Um, all right. Batgirl. The movie. The HBO Max uh, original movie. Batgirl. Ivory Aquino has been cast as Alicia Yo, which a lot of people had figured from set photos. Uh, this was just confirmed. This is the first transgendered character uh, DC Comics debuted in the Batgirl book. Um, and, uh, this is also a transgendered actress hmm. playing her. Yeah. She's playing, um, uh, they, people are like, how much of the Batgirl Burnside run are they doing the Gail Simone run? Um, and it turns out they're doing a lot cause this character is from that run. So, yeah. uh, cool. That's a very, very popular, cool run. People like that character. It's great. It's great for casting. That's awesome. Put that movie in theaters. Come on. Yeah. <laughs> like. <laughs> I want to see Brendan Fraser with fire on the big screen. Me too. Yeah. I love Brendan Fraser, you guys. If you if you don't, you're you're awful. I know. Oh, I did watch an episode of Doom Patrol this week. Hmm? I want to watch Brendan Fraser and Michael Keaton fight. 
Yes. Robot Man and Batman. <laughs> F you, Batman. Um, yeah, I uh, I watched an episode of Doom Patrol this week. I forgot to mention. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh, that show. I mean, when we're caught up on Superman, Lois. Yeah, too many, back. too many shows. Yeah, yeah. yeah. All right. Remember, Emilio Estevez is not coming back from Mighty Ducks Game Changers. Yeah. Uh-huh. Well, Mighty Ducks Game Changers has cast Josh Demel as the male lead of the series. Um, now, stop. Now, now he'll play Gavin Cole. Uh, and now this is how different uh, he's going to be to Emilio. A former NHL player turned coach, Cole is described as inspirational, charming, and a hardcore believer in using the game of hockey as a metaphor for life. <laughs> So he's Emilio Estevez. Gordon Bombay. What's his name? Lou Lou Gossage. What's his name? G- Gavin Cole. What a lame name. They should have. They should just had him come back and say he was still Gordon Bombay. <laughs> the, Josh Dumel shows up as Gordon Bombay. Yeah, yeah. No, he's Gordon Bombay, but but Gordon is spelled with an A instead of an O at the end. Right. This so. is what they. This is what they did. They were like, "Well, we've already written the script for Emilio. Control, find, replace." Yeah. said they're like. I found the ad. I guess it's me now. Like, okay, well, sure. I mean, yeah. I like Josh Jamel fine enough. So, like, this seems like a good role for him. Sure. I really like Mighty Ducks Game Changers. So I was really sad that Emilio Estevez was not coming back. This does leave his character open to come back. So that's good. It is good they're not like recasting him. Yeah. So I guess yeah. that's probably the best. Yeah. They could yeah. still kill him. They could still kill him. <laughs> Shoot him in the face in they front of those still kids. Kill him off screen. <laughs> yeah. What a dark way to start a series. Imagine <laughs> the Disney Plus uh, and. <laughs> Mighty Ducks Game Changer season two ends with an mm, what you say moment where <laughs> Gordon <laughs> May is shot. Slow motion. Hi, Gavin Cole. Yeah, to set up the whole time. I'm the Bombay now. And like the former NHL player, I was like, I mean, guys, this is just Gordon Bombay. What else are you going to do? Well, he's not going to be a basketball player. No, I know, but like, be honest, it is, is literally the same thing, though. Look, yeah. let's be yeah. honest. This is Mighty Ducks Game Changers. You don't need to be that creative. That's true. That's true. That's true. All right. Fast 10, your seatbelts. That's official title yet. Yeah. Once again, if they don't call it that, we're mad. I got a feeling that it's going to be called Fast X Furious. Ooh. I don't like it, but I think I think logistically, marketing, that's the best because it looks hot and sexy. I mean, and then, oh, and it's no, no better Fast X X X. Furious. I was thinking and the and same thing. They bring the multiverse. Vin other character. It's the multiverse. Yes, <laughs> we both have the same and thought at the same time. Too far. Uh, Ice Cube shows up at the end. Go. We were always family. Oh my god. Did y'all ever see the third Triple X? Yeah, yeah, I did. Yeah. Even better. Horrible Ice movie. Cube. I even better. Ice Cube's son. Oh yeah. Both. Why not? Because he's because Ice Cube because at the end of Triple X three, Ice Cube shows up and it's like, hey man, I always had your back. And it's like great Vin Diesel hug. He got that paycheck, all right. Man, there's a whole sequence in that movie where he has to bang a bunch of women to get his coat back. I remember you telling me about that. <laughs> what a stupid movie. Anyway, the news the is snowboards in the in the tropical like Amazon forest or whatever. I like the so first what, two. I think they're pretty fun. People have been talking about uh Vin Diesel's very wholesome Instagram. There was the image of him on the beach, and just every comment is like, "Family, look at him <laughs> thinking about family, family, <laughs> wholesome content." I'd rather yeah, be that. <laughs> um. All right. Fast ten your seatbelts. Part one. Jason Momoa has been cast as the villain. That's perfect. Hmm. 
He's perfect for the universe. And let's be honest, the villain for now. For now. For now. At the end of the movie, they all team up against Cypher. Is there one more person above Cypher? And they're at Hobbs and Shaw. They're that robot voice. That's Keanu Reeves. Oh, Ryan Reynolds. Or no, Ryan Reynolds was the, was the spy man or whatever. Yeah, no, yeah. Ryan Reynolds was the voice of the of the computer. Oh, that's weird. He said he like came out and was like, "Yeah, they needed a voice," so I said, "Okay, use mine." Yeah, oh, but that's not as it's exciting. It's gonna be somebody else though. It's gonna be like I want to be whoever's behind that voice is I gonna be like yeah. Keanu or something. Charlie Theron is cool though. I I mean I'm I still I like love that Keanu theory. to be in yeah. this year in this universe. Um, can't get one Samoan, get the other. <laughs> I want them all. Um, yeah, like Jason Moe is a big cool dude. Like I can't wait to see him beat the shit out of. Uh, Maybe Jason Statham. I want I want John Cena and Vin Diesel just Cena's slamming their bodies into Jason Momoa. Just That's too what much I want. raw muscle. All them one. just going off a cliff and getting caught by a car. I'm very excited for this. I love Jason Momoa. Uh, I'm really excited. For, I, I really love Jason Momoa. So yeah, bring it on. That's good casting. All right. Um, the Daredevil comic book is not He's ending. Hobbs. He's going to be Hobbs' brother. Sorry, go on. We already met Hobbs's brother. Oh, he could have had. He's gonna be Hobbs' bro- other brother. <laughs> other other brother. Um, okay, Hobbs so there. <laughs> there was some chatter suggesting Dare that. Darede- Sorry. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> um, there was some chatter suggesting that Devil's Reign will be the end of Chip Zdarsky's Daredevil run. That is not the case. Uh, he is going to relaunch Daredevil with a new number one with Marco Cicchetto. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Basically picking up where Devil's Reign picked up. So he's continuing on. That's awesome. This is fantastic. And it's the exact same team of, of Zdarsky and Chichetto, uh, which is great. Very happy. Um, Yeah, Elektra is not going to be Daredevil anymore, which is fine. But we still have the Elektra Woman Without Fear title, which means Elektra has her own solo, which is just as important. So that's fine. Uh, this is another uh, monumental run. And I thought it was over after Devil's Reign for sure. But it's like, nah, Chip loves this character so much. I'm like, cool, 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 cool. Yeah. He was talking about it being like a, a definitely a two-hander this time of Daredevil and Elektra. Like it's both of their books. That's exciting. Yeah. Love it. Um, Percy Jackson, the Lightning Thief series was picked up. An official title, Percy Jackson and the Olympians. Yeah, I expected that because they weren't just going to call it after the first book. They were going to call it the whole right. title. Not like Game of Thrones. Nope. Right. Um, yeah, so that's going to cool. sit down every night, uh, every week on HBO to watch a song of ice and fire. That's fair. They <laughs> watch, watch Game, Game of Thrones. Thrones. It's the game. Uh, you don't really want to cause chaos. Call it uh, Clash of Kings and just adapt Game of Thrones. That's also a cool, a cool title. Yeah, that, that's it. Is that is, and that actually works throughout the entire series. So yeah. All right. Um. So cool. Very excited for that show. I'm glad it's getting picked up. All right. That, Disney. Disney yes. Plus. Yeah, Disney Plus. Yeah, I'm I'm looking forward to it. Still stand by. Wish I was it was animated, but this could still be cool. Mm-hmm. So this is um, because HBO Max's highest streamed movie, most streamed movie, was Mortal Kombat, and it got a sequel. So Mortal Kombat Two is officially greenlit and is happening. Um, the director is returning. I forget his name. Sorry, but Jeremy Slater is joining the team. He is the upcoming head writer of Moon Knight. Ooh. He is going to write the script this time around. Cool. They must like Moon Knight enough to be like, hey, come do this, please. I am really hoping 
for the best because I think we can still do a lot of good in the Mortal Kombat film universe. Yeah, Simon McQuad. I'm just glad that that John that uh, Johnny Cage tease is not another Green Ranger tease. It's actually happening. Yeah, yes. yeah. I don't. Yeah, uh, definitely a lot to be desired in that movie. You know, it would be nice to have an actual Mortal Kombat tournament in Mortal Kombat. But like the, I I didn't have a problem with any of the fights. And in a Mortal Kombat movie, that's honestly the most I can ask for. No, I only so, don't like, like one character. Otherwise, I really like that movie overall. Um, and the Arcana thing's a little strange, but yeah. Um, yeah. So, like, I think we can only get up from here. So, do you think that they they just like drop it, bullshit, wipe away the Arcanas? I want to say yes, because lore. Because I think it'll be a lore. thing where everyone will already be established, and like everyone will already have their Arcana, so you don't need to explain that thing. But it's like, oh, they have their powers. You could just be like, people have powers. We don't really talk powers. about having it. Yeah, it's just a thing now. Where'd you get this power? Don't worry about it. Watch the first movie. I don't want to talk, about, talk it. about it. Yeah. People just have powers. Why do we have to talk about it? Like uh, Giant Cage sees Liu Kang use his like flame dragon technique. He goes, that guy can turn into a dragon. Like, yeah, don't worry about, it. about why Johnny Cage can do green energy. Why he can throw like globs of green goo at people. Like, oh my God. If he doesn't do the, if he doesn't have his green energy in the, in the movie, I riot. Oh, he definitely will do some green kicks. No, no problem. He better. Mm -hmm. He better. I don't care what his arcana is. He better do hey, it. Saw... Johnny Cage is good enough to beat Shinnok, so go watch Basement Arcade. It's true. It's true. It's true. Early enough to know that, yeah. All right. Uh, we got a first look at... Sorry, trailers. Let's try the Real talk, quick. guys. Before trailers, oh. we just briefly, briefly comment on that Zeus poster. Oh, it's... yeah. So here's the thing. Is it fake? No. Everyone thinks it's just a Super Bowl ad. Oh. It's just, it's just an ad. It's like the... the um, uh, 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 the thing? thing that wasn't a real that makes, movie that makes yeah because sense. i because i immediately assume we're getting a stupid like zeus netflix movie and like no i think it's an ad for like alcohol or some bullshit yeah or yeah it could be an ad for alcohol because i'm like let's say it's like now they're probably not gonna do because the crocodile dundee dundee thing was like a tourist ad for australia i think it's gonna be it's it's marketing stuff it's not a, a tourist yeah. ad for greece i yeah. want I want Schwarzenegger as Zeus. I, I saw that picture. I'm like, that kind of works for me. It really <laughs> works for me. The yeah, next Zeus, the next live action Zeus has to be him. I was, I got yeah. when that poster. I didn't even see the date when I just saw it, and people are like, "This is a thing," and I'm like, "Yo, what is I'm it? ready to watch <laughs> Zeus just like, yeah. like I'm ready to watch Schwarzenegger just go around and hit on women and oh turn God. into weird animals he and was, bang them, and then like Hercules. not want to be responsible for his kids. There you go. He was Hercules, and then he becomes the father. It's beautiful. That's what, that was that was my the sun. That was my my tweet where it was like you either die Hercules or you live long enough to see yourself become Zeus. Ah, oh, Hercules. <laughs> Hercules in New York. Okay, anyway, so that's cool. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah, it's probably just like an app. Sorry, it probably is, but we can dream, and until our our dreams are shattered, I'm gonna say it's a it's gonna be a movie or a thing or something. Trailers, trailers. Okay. We got a first look at Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio. I guess we got a cricket. A little cricket. Was that you and McGregor who was voicing yes. the cricket? Yeah. Yes. Uh, it's a teaser. Yeah. My favorite thing about it is that it feels nice and refreshing and different because we know there's a Disney one coming, and I like that at least Jiminy Cricket lives inside the heart of the wooden boy. That's kind of already a nice change. It's like yeah. yeah. So I'm I'm yeah. happy because it will be different. So cool. Yeah. And I like the the look. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I like I'm the like, it's, no, it's, Del Toro like specific, specifically with like special effects stuff. That was like, that was the detail that like hooked me where he's like, I lived in the actual heart of the wooden boy, and I'm like, cool. So this is this is not your grandpa's Pinocchio. Yeah. <laughs> he burrowed this in there. 
Yeah, this isn't um, how many bloody Pinocchio adaptations we've had over the years. Or anyway. the one about to come out with Tom Hanks. Oh, yeah, I forgot about that one. That's the Disney one. <laughs> Most do. Yeah, that's the Disney one. Um, I was going to say, wait, the animation looks pretty good. I like how it was stop motion or somewhat stop motion. It is completely stop motion. Even better. I was like, sweet. I like that. <laughs> it's me. <laughs> I've been here the whole time. The cursed. Yeah, this looks wild. Yeah, it's like it's like an amalgamation of like all supernatural stuff. What like, are you afraid of? It's here. Yeah, like <laughs> we definitely got werewolves. We also got like swamp thing monsters. Like maybe vampire stuff. Ghost scarecrow. <laughs> fire? Are you afraid of fire? Scarecrow man. It. We got it all, baby. Yo, that scarecrow uh, man reminded me of the Jeepers Creepers monster. Yeah, yeah. Ooh. Pumpkin head. Are you afraid of women? They're here. <laughs> <laughs> this movie has it all. Jesus. God. There are yeah. a couple spooky, of creepy shots. Spooky ladies. With yeah, ladies. Yeah. There's spooky ladies. Uh, the, all right. The, is it, see, I think it's the cursed because it's old. Like the bitch. Like the old English. Uh, but so, of course, if I watch this movie, I'm like, that is cursed. This is cursed. That thing over there is cursed. Cursed forever. What's going on? Movie? Movie. I'll watch it. Is it a movie? I don't know. I was going to ask you guys. Was it a movie or a TV show? I think it's a movie. He's on it. You guys can talk about the next trailer. It's going to take a second. Oh, okay. Halo. Yeah, Halo. I was excited about Halo. On a service. It is an American French horror film. Oh, Were you about to do the French laugh? I was, and I stopped myself out of out of respect for my friends in France, <laughs> which are zero. <laughs> All right, Halo. Yeah, you, yeah, you're right, right, Brandon. Like, yeah. uh, I think aesthetically, it looks fine. They're making some real weird choices. Yeah, I think the I I don't mind doing like a different origin for master chief or a different whatever for, Ma- for master chief because they said it's like it's not in continuity with the games it's its own thing like okay cool cortana looks real weird though I, that yeah. is just a bad cgi like bad like not blue enough not blue I, at all not blue, blue enough yeah um i uh was disappointed um yeah in this and i'm really bummed about that there's clearly a lot of a lot of money put into it but the way it's shot looks very strange um and then there's the how do you guys feel about the voice um not 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 why would you change it i yeah there are few there are few masked character voices that i think are iconic mm -hmm. and cannot be replaced easily and if you are changing them, it needs to be done by somebody who can get close to the original. Darth yeah. Vader is a great example. Mm-hmm. Anyone who isn't James Earl Jones voicing Darth Vader has to sound like James Earl Jones voicing Darth Vader. They can't go their own way with it. It yeah. needs to sound a certain way. The thing of Master Chief falls in that same column. That like even people, even people who don't play those games have seen commercials with Master Chief or things like that. Like. His voice is iconic and recognizable to him. It's it's practically a staple of Xbox itself. Yeah. Uh, this is like this is like Ben Schwartz 
making Sonic sound like a high-pitched Bostoner or something. This is really, really far away from the character intent in a way that doesn't make sense because you don't even see the person anyway, so I don't understand well, why you just don't have his voice. That was the thing that I asked you guys a couple a couple months back when they cast the actress who played Cortana in the in the game as the as the Cortana in the, in the show. Um, they cast an actor for yeah. Master Chief. And so I was thinking, like, wait, why are we doing this with Cortana, but we're not doing this with Master Chief? Like, I kind of prefer it being the other way around. Because, yeah. like, even, even, we're not going to see Master Chief's face ever. Even if, we should, even if we do, even if you see, like, a John before he dons the outfit or something. We do. Like, we see him as a kid and stuff. Right, which is sure. fine. Like, But even if even if you saw him older outside of the outfit or something, right? Yeah. Like, just, just before the first time he put it on or something. And we need an actor for that. Fine. But when he puts on the suit, then he has the voice. Yeah. I don't get it. I don't, it's too iconic. It's too weird to have changed it. And it's not fair to this actor to have to try and live up to that mantle. Yeah. I, the thing for me is like, I don't, I don't, I don't mind that it doesn't sound exactly like Chief. I just, I think it doesn't match. I think it just sounds kind of weird. Yeah. It's just like a weird kind of tone. Like I don't. But that's but that goes back to the thing. Like, why not just have the guy who's not, been doing it forever? Because it would fit. I don't mind like having like if you if you want to try to humanize the chief more, sure. uh, like and you want to do like, have like an actor coming in there. I think that's fine. Uh, it's just I think it's it sounds weird. Yeah. It just sounds weird coming out of that. Like maybe because I am so in tune with Steve Downs as like I am the master chief. It's been it's been too long. It's been too long, and I'm just like, yeah, there's no real reason. Maybe if maybe if we lived in a world where Halo didn't make anything after Halo Three that yeah. involved Master Chief, I would feel differently. But, we got but, three more but Master Chief is still around, still something that is constantly brought around for Xbox. Even in those live action, even in the even in the two live action shows and the two animated movies, like they're it's him. Yeah. yeah, it's it's a weird choice. I'm not saying like it's a choice that'll break the show. It's just a choice I don't understand. They're they're definitely telling their own story too like it is this is 100 not tied to those games uh yeah. there's a human faction who are who are tied to the covenant the creepy bald lady the creepy bald lady which is super i think that's a cool element like i think like like religious fundamentalism from uh, extraterrestrial is a cool I, I think the, i also think the aliens look good for the most part like i really yeah. like the the look of the arbiter um you know and we kind of get a glimpse of the of the sorry the three covenant heads the prophets is david back as the arbiter we don't know I don't know. Is that confirmed to be the Arbiter? Yeah. There, there were pictures that came out. It was like with the, the Arbiter. Okay, cool. I don't think it's... I I feel like we would that know. That would be a big misstep. I feel like we would know if he's in it. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, it just, just looks off, and I'm not sure why. And it's not just the voice. It just doesn't yeah. look... It just looks I off. I said to him, like, it reminds me of, like, of like a decently budgeted, like, like sci-fi TV show. And that's yeah. not a total disrespect, but, like, Halo is supposed to be like you know it's like on a, like it's like on a big service like like it would be like an HBO type thing, um, yeah. and I think in certain aspects it it does have that feel. Uh, I'm just not sold on like the, the the human elements yet or the chief stuff. Like aesthetically, I like muted. It looks beautiful. Yeah. But, like they're doing uh -huh. weird stuff with like chiefs like his humanity is being unlocked through the covenant. Also, I think. Which is also some strange choice. I think the thing is, like, when you compare, and a lot of people have been making the comparison, and I get it, to, like, Mandalorian. Yeah. Because you've got the mask character as the main character. I think the thing is that Halo has proven that there are plenty of interesting human characters you can put alongside Master Chief. That Sarge. you don't need to make Master Chief necessarily the main character in any other property that isn't the games. Yeah. Master mm -hmm. Chief can be a present character, even a secondary character, but not necessarily your lead. That's, that's And that the... would be fine. 
and it feels weird that this show clearly still is making Master Chief the lead. That's and I'm like, the, so that's the thing about that original trilogy is you are the Master Chief, but Master Chief is he has a voice, but he is you are Master Chief, right? And you have yeah. all this grounding cast to 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 raise that up. The problem that three four three did with four and five and now Infinite is they did make Chief the central character, so all the personality mm-hmm. has to be lifted. And honestly, Chief's not that interesting. No offense, he's a cool dude, not a lot there. You know what I mean? So like following him i'm like it is a mandalorian problem I'm like am i gonna care well but like, it's like it's like you know it should be like dread right like anderson's the main yeah. character in dread yeah yeah yeah. and yeah. it's like master chief should follow the flat character arc like yeah. goku has a bunch of interesting cast of characters that he that he lifts up throughout the story and he doesn't change like that's yeah. master chief like right. why yeah. are we going away from that that's that's like the main thing for the trailer. Now, like I wish there was another character who I was like, oh, cool, that's going to be a cool character to follow. And right yeah. now I'm like, the the character I'm most interested in that isn't Master Chief is Halsey, and I still don't see Halsey. The thing that does make me excited for it that that they were leaning more into into the later games is like, uh, a, like he, he's a person who is under the control of other people, uh, and like that, like the harsh reality of like what Halsey did to these children. Yeah they are going to lean heavy into that because we've seen that with the flashbacks and Halsey is a main character. All yeah, that stuff I'm really, all that stuff I'm really excited for. And I really like that actress playing Halsey too. Mm-hmm. So like, I, I am, I am cautiously optimistic. It's just weird. Unfortunately, to... Chief is the main concern for me, which is yeah. it's just weird to not have like, why not set this in the game universe and just do the lore? Yeah. That do, lore is strong. Tell your own weird story. Yeah. It's maybe they like, weren't allowed to, who knows? Yeah. We'll see. I'm, March fourth, I believe. Oh, that's so soon. Yeah, I was expecting to be excited, but now I'm trepidatious, so that's a little worrisome. <laughs> yeah, I'll definitely wait for that first episode. Yeah, yeah. Let's see. All right, shall we get into our main topic then? Yes. One second, though. I'm glad you didn't put the new trailer for Uncharted on here, Brandon, because I watched half of it and I clicked it off. And I don't do that ever. Uh, that is that that movie. Oh boy, buddy. Uh, no, I'm done talking about that movie. No, I'm glad. I'm glad. <laughs> There's a new, uh, there's a new no, I know, but my curiosity is—it just—it just looks generic as hell. Sure, Matrix time. All right, let's get into our main topic. Oh, we are here. We are finally here. Our journey from the mat- our our journey in the Matrix, our our Matrix extravapalooza, um, is come to an end with a review of uh, the Matrix Resurrections. Full spoilers from here on out. It's been a month. You should have seen it by now. Um, We're going back to the Matrix. Going. All right. Shall we get into it then? Who wants to go first? Uh, I think this movie is pretty good. I like it a whole lot. I don't think it's perfect, but I really love it. I also don't think it's perfect. I also really love it. Uh, Sparks and I have a cheat because we're the only two on the panel who put it on our top tens. That's true. So uh, very high. Yes. Uh, I also agree. I, I, I love this movie. It's not perfect, but I love this movie. Uh, and Ben, just say the same thing and we'll move on. Well, I, I'm not going to say the same thing, but I do have the same sentiment that I had a really good time. I enjoyed this movie. I don't understand why it's getting all the hate it is, but then of course I see who's writing all the hate comments. I'm like, oh, that makes sense. Other than that, it's a fine yeah. movie. And I, I I had fun with it. It was really, I enjoyed it. I highly enjoyed it. I'm really bummed I didn't get to see it. I wasn't able to, I didn't have time to see it a second time on HBO Max. Yeah, I made a real, point. Helpful. real helpful having it available to any time all the time. Yeah. I, I, it's I, I one I'm, I'm bummed I missed seeing it in theaters. Yeah. 
Um, yeah. Uh, okay. Where do we want to start with this one? Well, we got to go back to back the Matrix. To the Matrix. Start uh, I really. I'll just. I'll, I really like how this movie opens. It kind of opens in a similar fashion to the first film, where it's like you think the Trinity's the bad guy. In this case, you think that Bugs, who are hearing, uh, is the person in the chair, and you and it kind of subverts the expectation to be like, no, Bugs is watching something, something strange, a mystery. Oh, interesting. I didn't. Uh, I didn't get that read when I watched it, but sure, I agree. Well, maybe I'm wrong then. Um, no, no, what, no, I'm not saying you're wrong. I'm just saying like that's not the that. I did not think that Bugs was the person in the chair. That's all I mean. Got it. Um, uh, Marty, uh, in the chat, have you guys given a ship in a bottle yet? Has that tier been cracked? No. Nope. Nope. No, it has not. I it's mean, still waiting on, the, it's waiting on the shelf at Hobby Lobby. It's waiting for me to pick it up. Got to get that tier, baby. I mean, yeah. I gave Brandon a ship in a bottle for Christmas one year, but that's about it. Years ago. That's oh, true. There it is. Oh, that's so tiny. Oh man, this made my life so much easier. I was gonna get a big one, like handcrafted. No, you gotta get a big one. Oh, <laughs> my, my. I cannot uh, tell you how hard it was you committed to this. No, you're right. Okay. Side side tangent. I cannot tell you how hard it was to find a stupid chip in the bottle that was small enough and in my budget. Because every time I looked up chip in the bottle on Amazon, it's like these giant ass ships in bottles or the Lego ship in a bottle. I'm like, there's a Lego ship in a bottle with this. I would have. I would have also accepted that. That one's cute. Oh yeah, I was talking. Well, I was talking to Zara about it. She was, I was like, "Hey, how about this small?" She's like, "Yeah, he'll like that." And I was like, "Oh yeah, I saw a Lego one, and apparently she was looking at that one for you too." Oh, you guys are so cute. Yeah. Anyway, Anyways, Matrix. Matrix. Yeah. So yeah, the opening. Uh, it is fun, especially like, I assume a lot of people before this movie came out rewatched all the movies. Uh, but if you didn't, like, it is still fun to like it opens like the matrix and it's almost shot for shot like the matrix very close very close and then and then it's like this, the same dialogue and then you realize that's not that's not agent smith that's yayo madul mateen or whatever his name was and i'm like yeah. oh, this is wacky and then trinity does her thing and i'm like mm, that's not trinity mm. he he's a he has a really fun role in that in that scene when he's when he gets the pill when yes. he takes the red pill and he yeah. just goes and he just pops up and like, oh he's like agent. drunk <laughs> agent white yeah, um, <laughs> to together. Like, I want to talk about the discourse around this movie to talk about this movie. Yeah, because like the people who don't like this movie, and I get it. Like people who don't like this movie tend to not really like the sequels very much sure. because they also weren't really the Matrix that they were looking for. Mm -hmm. They were closer, but they but they weren't what they were looking for. Uh, I talked to some people today. <clears throat> I won't name all of them, but from the downright group, and they a lot of them didn't like it because they honestly just found it kind of boring. Sure. And which which I get like a lot of the criticisms that I'm seeing, um, I I can agree with. It's just one of those things where like, it doesn't bother me as much as other people. Sure, because I do think this is one of those situations where like you're going into the a new Matrix movie, and those other Matrix movies are the greatest action movies of all time. So there is some anticipation expectation there, mm -hmm. and it's just how much are you willing to let that go because that is not the movie she was making. Absolutely, well, absolutely not the movie she <laughs> wanted to make. This is not an action movie whatsoever. Which is way. which is why I want to talk about that discourse because, like, yeah. I I do think it's fair. I think it's I think it's fair to have certain expectations. I it's just that this is I didn't want more matrix the same oh yeah absolutely and, and then for like if if you felt that way great yeah but if you wanted more matrix that felt like classic matrix so um you came to the wrong place just real quick like behind the scenes of this movie like uh, zach penn was working on a on a matrix prequel movie 
that would have been the Force Awakens, you know, bringing the old with the new, like, like how what every single franchise is doing, right? But luckily, the Wachowskis had a right to refusal uh, for the next sequel, so they brought they brought Lana in as like, hey, we're gonna do another Matrix movie, which they say in this movie itself, which is crazy. Uh, we're gonna make another movie. Are you in or you're not? And they had to go to her first, and she's like, all right, well, I'm gonna make it. And then they made well, a, and like, like an anti sequel, and like and like so they went to. Lana and Lily. Yeah. And Lily didn't want to. No, she was, Lana, she was burnt out. And Lana had an idea. And the context of this, because I think it is relevant and mm-hmm. important, a lot of people have talked about it, is, is that uh, they'd recently lost their parents um, and then a close friend as well. Mm-hmm. And for Lana, being able to bring back Neo and Trinity was a comforting story. It was something that they felt a call to do this. And I think that very much, like, that's very clear. Like, a lot of people are getting focused on the, the meta textual nature and like sometimes in the wrong way i think about uh the fact that the matrix in here kind of vilifies the idea of a sequel to the matrix trilogy but i think that's people interpreting that as saying like therefore this movie is stupid and mandatory and not worth having been made because i didn't want to yeah and that that's the message i get from that and i'm like that's not the point the point is that that's like that's like a that is a structured narrative of analyzing how other sequels are handled and how the sequel could have been handled but the sequel was not handled that way so it's flying against the face of that and it was lana's desire really that i think that the the main focus of the story is it's not that metatextual nature but the fact that like i just wanted to give neo and trinity a happy ending a happy ending and that's what the movie's about and that's that's what that's what one of my biggest my biggest notes and i don't know if it's directly response to the to the criticism lobby towards the film that i've seen but like there's a lot of talk about the 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 uh, round table of the video game when they were trying to break the story for the matrix 4 video game and it's like a lot of people read that as like oh yeah they're just damning this movie they're damning all sequels they hate everything that and like that's not the read i have the read i have is that the thomas anderson has felt so passionately that he should be there and that's the that's the lana wachowski parallel because she knew that anybody else who would do the matrix would misunderstand why the matrix works and she knew like i need to be, need to be there i need to make sure that what the matrix is is still there because someone else doesn't isn't going to do it people don't understand it this is going to be yeah. my final say on what the matrix it means what the matrix is about uh it's it's so important that we have first that boardroom scene because if there was the next scene which i'm about to talk about i would feel differently but there's that boardroom scene of like what is the matrix bullet time and you know you gotta think smart and sexy and like you know all those buzzwords right uh and like i there's definitely a lot of people who thought that thing was annoying and i get it it's kind of the point <laughs> that is that is people telling lana wachowski what her own movie should be about we cut to the people on the ship lexi uh bugs they tell the same story of like no you don't know how much this means to me neo your story changed my life those are two aspects of the same story, just in totally different directions. Right. Uh, and I think that is so brilliant because she's saying a, a lot of people are missing that second part. We're like, I'm not damning the fans. I'm damning the people who don't respect the movie. There are fans who love my movie. Right. Like they're not that's damning Bugs, the whole audience. That's what Bugs is. Bugs is the audience character who loves the Matrix. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That's there's so much personal stuff in this film. Uh, I like it's hard to not recognize it as like a personal piece of art. Like. I don't. I think Matrix Reload and Revolutions are cool. I think the Matrix is art. Yeah. I think this one is art. Yeah. Uh, there's something very there. 
that's so personal about this one that it's hard to escape from. I mean, the whole thing you were just talking about with Bugs, the whole reason of like the moment between Neo and Bugs is Lana pulling from their own personal history about the moment when they wanted to commit suicide, but a stranger just locked eyes with them for an extended amount of time and they felt seen and it saved their lives. And like, that's the exact adaptation of what that moment is. And that's, there's so much of that put into this film that it's hard not to be moved by it, yeah. even though it's created in the system that is, I think that it's only like, it's only issue is being confined by the, the perception that people have of what a matrix film should be, which is unfortunate because I think those exact things you're talking about, like the round table discussion and everything, if, if Keanu Reeves' character of Thomas Anderson were working on any other property that weren't The Matrix and they were analyzing that, that scene would be fine and it wouldn't be criticized in that same way, like just some famous IP. Because what it's really talking about is both the isolation of being a creative and this really enforcing capitalist idea of what you need to do when consumerism overtakes art. And also, more importantly, the sense of adult isolation. Mm -hmm that's one of the reasons i love that montage is like so it's it's those really powerful shots of keanu reeves laying on a bed with two pillows on him to comfort himself or sitting in the oh bathtub with the duck on his Dude, head just eating the biggest mm -hmm. steak and just yeah. like oh i'm just i'm complicit this is my life man like it's, he got um, cypher's dream and yeah, he hates it absolutely that is what is, he feels alone that is what's so sinister about this new matrix like the old matrix is like you're living like a monday nine to five this new one it's like no we're gonna torment you so hard that like you were this close to your dreams but you'll never get it well that yeah, is that's... so diabolical I want to want to ask because uh, I have a whole thing that I want to get into about the analyst versus the architect. Um, mm -hmm. Do we want to wait to get there? Do we want to talk about some of the things? Or can I do it here? I I feel this is like free from and yeah, I free, think we got to just kind of move around. Yeah, move so so that's what I kind of enjoy about like the analyst, right? The, what you were talking about, Ryan, like. The, this matrix isn't perfect like the architect was an artist right he was he was the, he was a man who like made the perfect world indistinguishable completely from the from 1999 the, from the world of 1999 you cannot tell the difference but the analyst doesn't care about all that there's flaws within this matrix everywhere the code is in the wind um you, you can see like results. And he cares about results, you know, like the, the, the birds always flying in the same pattern, the same time of day. Like, mm -hmm. like that's the analyst being like, I, you didn't need to make it perfect. You just kind of needed to torture them just a bit. It's honestly, it's the good place. I made a joke yeah. a while ago. Like, it's the good place. It's like, we're going to torture you as much as you can, but before you just enough. So you still take it, but you can't break. Yeah. Uh, and that's yeah. like the longing, like the whole thing of like Trinity and Neo being like the core of the matrix, like being the plus side and the negative side of a battery uh damn i love that awesome. concept so it's much such a, it's such a great idea and it's like again it's like i know i like i never want lana wachowski to make a movie she never wants to make but like i love where this movie ends but it's also like a perfect ending yes yeah. it's like it, it is the cap of like no they got their happy ending that's all you need um i think it's awesome and like the analyst is first of all neil patrick harris is awesome he's so funny yeah. uh it's it's cool to see him be like a super slime ball because like while he's like barney and stuff he's not like he's still like a good dude like it's fun to see him just be like, no, I'm just a bad guy. Well, yeah, yeah, no, I get you. He's he's like truly like I'm here to to make you miserable and get like pluses on my bonuses. Uh, yeah. And it's just really cool to see like an artist's view on the Matrix. Like it's like it's it's a fun. I really love the world building. Yeah, uh, in in this movie. Yeah. So speaking of the world building, one of the things I actually really enjoyed about this about the Matrix, especially the first half of it, was the whole time I'm thinking. 
what is going on? Because one of my problem, or I remember one of my issues with um, the new trailers is like how they get. I thought is are they gonna answer if Trinity or Neo like how they gonna bring Trinity back? She she died. What are they gonna do? What happened to Neo? Did he lock himself in the matrix? What are these questions? And then you see hit uh, like the first shot of Neo slash Thomas at his work desk with all the matrix memorabilia behind him. It's like what's going on here? Like the classic matrix mind game was being played especially with like the blue pills and everything is like, mm-hmm. what the heck is going on? Like, was I, really, whole... I really like how they, how they did the blue pill, red pill sequences in this one where there was the yeah. bit with, we, we talked about in the beginning with, um, with eight, this agent Smith, uh, yeah, 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 Abdul Mateen and Bugs is like, okay, normally there's a whole spiel, but we don't have time for that. So here, just take this. It, it, it's the red pill. It's going to disconnect you from the matrix. We're good. Mm-hmm. I was like, that's a really cool concept. All, all in all, first off, you kind of, Played off this idea of the blue pill, red pill. You introduced the idea that you can now do this to programs, yeah, yeah. and oh, free yeah. programs from the matrix, which is awesome. Um, and then the whole thing of like the mo- the modal, uh, I'm like, there's a lot happening. There's a lot of world building just in this ten minutes. There, yeah, there the is. Thing uh, uh, took me a while to be like, oh, okay. It's like there's a simulation happening inside of a simulation. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so like, so for a split second, I thought I was almost under the impression that, um, uh, that. Anderson's game was the first three movies hmm. and that this is what we're seeing in the real world we're seeing someone who essentially made the matrix but instead of film, making it to a film they turn into a, a hit series of video games and they're now trying to make something else especially that line where you get the um the the boss the or like the ceo of their company is like our parent company warbos and like okay so this is like real actually happening right but then later on, it's like, oh shit, dude, you got me. Like the make, is, like resurrections, they got me because yeah, I thought, okay, so this is the direction we're going with. Okay, I can I can live with this. The 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 Warner Brothers drop, like honestly, like it, like it takes a lot of balls to put that in your own movie. Like a truly, like it is like this is one of the boldest sequels ever made, uh, whether you like it or not. But like in terms of artistic integrity, on a two hundred million dollar movie, this there's nothing like this. Like. No, like not to bring up like Marvel or DC, but like this is on like any of those movies. Like this is a pure craft, and like I'm just glad that they got like like this movie got made because again, like I see the I see the 7.58 version of this movie. That's the Force Awakens, where yeah, you got you got Keanu and you got a Fishburne, but you also got new characters and they're passing the torch. And I'm just like I'm so glad that we don't have to do that for everything. I'm so grateful for that. And yeah, also, I've, I've been glad- talking. Sorry, Ben. I've been talking a lot about in recent years how much I miss, uh, like the epic love stories of the early two thousands, late nineties. Like these idea, like the, these like these people that are so in love that they can't take their hands off of each other. Um, you know, Neo and Trinity, Rachel and uh, sorry, Evie and uh, and Rick, um, Elizabeth and and Will, um, and Neo and Trinity are, are such a such a such an important couple, and to make their like their their epic love story, the core of this film, the core of the Matrix itself, um, was such was such a cool idea of being like, you know, kind of like reclaiming the concept of of, of what this Matrix was. It would never work as a passing the tor- passing the torch Matrix because it has to be about the love of Neo and Trinity. Yeah, and that that whatever that Force Awakens movie would have been wouldn't have been that. I'm yeah. I'm borrowing from one of the conversations Patrick Willems has had with um, different podcasts about Matrix Resurrections. And I don't remember which one, so I'm sorry. But um, I'm borrowing when I say that I, I really love the comparison and I think it's very apt 
that this movie is essentially Toy Story 4. Mm. And I do think that that's very, very accurate. And I think like where this succeeds for me, where Toy Story 4 didn't quite work for me, is that Neo and Trinity, in my opinion, not necessarily like, it's a, not a love story, but like Neo and Trinity of Toy Story is Buzz and Woody. Mm -hmm. So separating them at the end of Toy Story 4 didn't quite feel right for me because Bo and Woody hadn't been a whole thing, although they did a very good job of manufacturing the love story for them to make 4 work. This works really well for me because Neo and Trinity were always the thing of yeah. the Matrix films, if you were paying attention. And it really was driven home to me by a different podcast I was listening to that I'm not going to drag. And I really like them most of the time, but like all of them didn't enjoy this movie. And one of the main criticisms that they all agreed on is what they wanted out of a fourth Matrix film was for them to finally beat the machines. And I'm like, well, that was just never the point. That's... That was never the point. That would have been so... Again, after after the talk of like revolutions, like that would have been just like exactly. return, regressing. Exactly. Yeah. Like you missed the whole mm -hmm. point of revolutions if that was your feeling the about machines, the fourth matrix. The machines, you wanted to see them and, finally overtake the machines. Like yeah. you missed you missed the whole I guess thing. they didn't watch that last movie because literally the machines and Neo team up to beat Smith. Right. Like they, well, they hang out as buddies. Mm -hmm. That's the thing we you know, we compare a lot to like the Force Awakens and like if you think about it, what this does, what this does better for me, as far as like the original trilogy going to the Force Awakens, or in this case, the Matrix Res Resurrections, what this film does really well for me is that it doesn't feel like it was just shitty from the moment we left them to the moment we we got back. Like they were constantly always at war. This was like there was peace. Neo, it happened. It worked. It worked. There yeah. was peace yeah. for many years. Not only that, like there is peace. Yes, now, there is currently right. peace. Yeah. There is peace. If people want out of the Matrix, they can come out of the Matrix. There is peace. The only the thing, problem is... The only thing <laughs> that they are unwilling to do is let Neo and Trinity out of the Matrix. Yeah. Outside of that, they're upholding everything yeah. they said. And because, the technically, because technically, Neo and Trinity, they don't know what happened to their bodies. No. And they don't have, they don't have the agents after them. They don't have... All that kind of stuff. Now, people have suspected that Neo is somewhere in the Matrix, but they haven't been able to find him. Yeah. He's BSI'd or whatever. Right, exactly. Like the they only, changed his BSI. Like, the only fighting that we see is fighting between machines. That's yeah, right. an awesome flashback of the machine civil war. Give me that Animatrix movie. I don't need yeah. any more Matrix sequels. There's a 60-year gap of awesome civil war uh, reconstruction history between those species of humans and machines. I want because, all of that. Because story. there was a power shortage because enough people wanted to come out of the Matrix. So they needed to expensively refund the analyst pitch and throw out the architect, throw out the Oracle, throw out the old style of the Matrix. Let the analysts start over with Neo and Trinity at the center and create a Matrix that People wouldn't want to leave because they're, not, because they're not breaking the peace contracts if people want to stay. Yeah. And the analysts found the way to do that. And I'm like, that's brilliant because that's Brandon's exactly correct. Like Force Awakens is a perfect example of this because one of the biggest downers about Force Awakens and kind of that whole sequel trilogy is that they defeat the Empire and then you just kind of get told, yeah, but they're basically doing the same thing again with the exact same kind of group. Yep. Uh, you know, like it, it really was all for nothing. Uh, they're, they live for 30 years, still fighting the exact same kind of forces just under a new name. Yeah. And that yeah. sucks because there's just no good political buildup for that or explanation ever. Nope. And that's a bummer. That's a big bummer about the sequel trilogy. But here, the piece that Neo made at the end of the movie mattered. It mattered in a big way. Uh, and I, I love that. I love that Neo yeah. has that moment where he's like, I feel like I feel like it's bad. It's it. worse. I feel like I did it for nothing. I and feel like everything's junk. And they're like, no, no, no. 
everything is really good. Let me show you Sabebe and Kujaku and mm -hmm. strawberries. And strawberries. Yeah. Yeah, strawberries with like also one of the coolest ideas like in a sci-fi movie of having programs become physical in the real world through like nanomachines. That's a brilliantly cool idea that mm -hmm. I don't know if I've mm -hmm. seen before in that kind of way. It's awesome. So, so one of the things I also really love about this movie is the fact that um it it shows you a glimpse of the future but it's not like but okay bad analogy ready player two that takes place in about a, a year and a half later after the first book things just go from bad to worse this one is like yo things are aren't the best but things have gotten so much better than they were we have partnerships with the machines we're friends with them we can make foods that we haven't eaten in x amount of hundreds of years possibly here's a freaking strawberry that strawberry seems like Damn, look at oh, yeah, they, they have a they have a moment where they're just like, how would you make this? Well, <clears throat> we managed to figure out how to make the code of a strawberry that's in the matrix mm -hmm. manifested into like a seed so we could grow strawberries. I'm like, whoa, that's awesome. Yeah, that's really cool. Yeah. Like and um, also one my okay, one of my biggest things I was like kind of eh, was the fact that Lawrence Fishburne wasn't in the movie. I was really bummed. I was like, not no offense to Yaya Abdul Mateen. I absolutely love him in this movie. And then when we get to the scene in not Zion, but Zion uh, too. Io, thank Io. you. It's the opposite of Zion one. Ah, mm. but when we get to Io and we see a statue and we see old Jade, old Niobe, I'm like, okay, makes sense. And then the new pro and the and then Yaya Abdul is essentially Morpheus, but digit. It's not a digitized Morpheus, but he's taking up the name because he also stands for what Morpheus well, stands more, for. Well, more than that, but Sparks, what were you saying? What were you going to say? So, so I I think that it was really a wise choice to pick Niobe instead of Morpheus to be the leader in Io, because the thing is, and I, and I think that this is very, very true, if Morpheus is the leader when Neo gets there, he will do whatever Neo wants to do. Yeah. Mm -hmm. There will be no pushback and then it's just okay so that's not there's no conflict there's no uh i will mount all the forces of io to do whatever neo wants to do even if that's maybe unwise but it keeps the stakes low and personal for this film which is weird for a sequel but yeah. it's true the stakes are lower and personal because really what's at stake isn't the civilization of humanity or what io has constructed all that's at stake is neo and trinity's freedom that's it that's yeah. all that's at stake. There's nothing else that they're fighting. Yeah, because like that's why Naomi is so against it. Because like, hey, we're at peace now. If you if you go do this thing, you're gonna f everything but, I've built for. But you. importantly, Niobe becomes a representation of a mentality that we're seeing a lot of like social pushback on right now, which is the mentality of I got mine. Forget everybody else who comes after me. Because Niobe, mm -hmm. while they used to pull people out of who were feeling like the red pill yeah. and wanted to come out of the matrix. Niobe's pretty much shutting the door. Yeah. Bugs has a line where they acknowledge that that's what Niobe has done. Niobe's like, we're kind of done. Like we've pulled everybody out. We're going to pull out. Yeah. Now we're just making civilization work. Cause we're not going to fight. We're not going to push it with the machines anymore. I love, I love that character choice. And it's so good for Niobe because like, you wouldn't get it with more. And you wouldn't get it more because he'd be like, Oh my God, the guy mm -hmm. that I worshiped my entire life. Well, that's what I, that's one of the things that I really like about Morpheus. Um, posthumously Morpheus, but like the idea that, he was so unwilling to waver from the fact that what Neo did could be undone. That he was just like, no, Neo, Neo, he did it. That's the end of the revolutions. He did it. Um, like the, 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 the fact that he just couldn't budge. That's what caused Zion. Mm -hmm. That's what ultimately ended Zion is, is such an interesting poetic uh, uh, moment. Yeah. Cause like, like and Niobe, like you said, Niobe saw the writing on the wall. Like, no, 
the Oracle told us something worse is coming. Then she's just gone. There's a machine yeah. civil war. Something's worse is coming. We need to figure something out. And Morpheus in charge, uh, we would not have gotten Io in the way that it is. And Morpheus, because he's anti-machine. He, and, he wouldn't seem past it. And Morpheus would need to be cleared out because Morpheus would be the one person who would never stop until he found Neo. Yeah. yeah. So it, it really does work for me that Lawrence Fishburne isn't there in that capacity. Yeah. And it works for me that Lawrence Fishburne isn't there for the modal program of Morpheus that's created. Because he's not just Morpheus, he's also Agent Smith. <laughs> so that's, yeah. that part gets a little I'm confused by that part, to so, be honest. So here's the thing. I really like... Uh, Mateen in this role. Yeah. I like the idea of this Morpheus program that's not real Morpheus, but is Neo's perception of Morpheus manifested to save himself. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think that's really cool. It's very clever. It's a very good way for Neo to have subconsciously created a way for him to escape the Matrix. Yeah. Uh, I think that's very, very smart and wise. My thing about it is that when they make that explanation that he is a combination of the two men who made Neo, Morpheus and Smith, I wish that there was something more in his character that represented smith he's he's not but he's, he's a, so funny he's so <laughs> like he's so much more in like a fun morpheus direction without any of that lingering smith stuff once he red pills yeah that i'm like okay i guess like i guess he's an amalgamation of those two people but kind of not um that part i felt was a little unclear yeah which really just comes down to i i wish that they had done a little more to give him some something a little smith in him maybe a little bit weirder of a relationship with Neo. Yeah, I feel but, that way about Groff. So I don't feel as weird about Groff because Groff literally is Smith. Yeah. And uh, I I feel like it works okay there and it's not, it, well, it's not bothering me. What I, when I meant, what I kind of like to elaborate on that moment, like I agree with what you're saying about Yaya Abdul-Mateen, like I, yeah, uh, but I have the same issue with, with, with Groff. When Groff is activated to be Smith, like when he got the member, when the when he gets activated, when he's when Smith is activated, um, he keeps calling him Tom, and there's like nothing of Hugo Weaving's performance in Jonathan Groff. There's just it just it there's a disconnect to the character. While I like what they do with the character, I wish he kind of leaned into a little bit more of the Hugo Weaving mannerisms. Maybe not all all the way, but like in a sense, kind of keep it there when he's activated. So when he knows that, that he's Agent Smith. Yeah. I get that too. Um, I think that there are moments where he does lean into it. I like that he is, because he is a program and he's been reprogrammed into the Matrix, even though he is still Smith, he's a new program yeah, so- version of Smith. So like him calling him Tom, there's a different sensibility to him and history. And that works for me more than necessarily like the way they describe how Morpheus is supposed to function as like mm-hmm. an amalgamation of the two. Uh, because that feels like he should be pulling from personality traits that Neo manifested of them into the thing. But uh, I think that Groff does a good job of having his moments where a little bit of that Hugo Weaveness comes forward. Ultimately, my whole thing is that, like, I didn't want to see Bane 2.0. Yeah. I didn't want to see that performance again, and that's kind of why I'm like, I'm glad that I feel like I recognize that this is Smith. There's enough there. The first line he says, it's very clearly like, you know, the oblivious thing. Like, like right, oh, right, right. that's Smith. Where he's saying yeah, the yeah. same line, but like, uh, I there's a, I wish I remembered the line, but there's a specific moment when they're doing the exchange right before the Merovingian shows up uh, where he says something and it has the exact same cadence of Hugo Weaving and it's there, but he's not doing an impression. And I am glad that it didn't turn into a Hugo Weaving impression because yeah. at that point, just have Hugo Weaving, which is what they wanted to do, but scheduling didn't allow. Yeah, right. That's what that's what I'm saying. You know, it's kind of upset. It's 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 unfortunate we couldn't get Hugo Weaving, but like you know, for me, 
I don't want him to do be doing an impression. I just wanted more. And and for for you, you're saying that that what they do is enough. But for me, I'm, I I don't think it was. I just wanted him to just do a little bit more to kind of That's, yeah. I, keep I it going. That. Keep it going. Like yeah. because I he's unrecognizable as Agent Smith outside of dialogue for me. I I will say like I enjoy Jonathan Groff as Smith. I think he is slightly unnecessary to the film. Yes, and yeah, like yeah. while I enjoy his presence, like yeah. the only thing I really really like about it is the fact that like he is the thing that helps free Neo and Trinity. Yeah, uh, which is kind of a cool like ultimate come around on that character yeah. but um that's like a goku frieza moment but like other than that he, i don't feel like you need to be there i don't think the purpose of why the analyst would restore him is very well explained it feels like that's just running another risk of a thing that could wake neo up yeah yeah, yeah. um they, more they, drama. they they i really like tried to grab it and pay attention to it that like it has something to do with their balance uh to each other that he also used as something to help confine Neo and fuel the matrix. Like there's almost a sense of like Neo won't stray too far from wherever Smith is because he feels a latent responsibility like to he's... be where Smith is because he has to kind of like police him. Well, that's but what they call like... it. That's what they call it. It's like a chain. Yeah. I think he's, he's almost like he was like unknowingly, he's like his bodyguard in a way. Yeah. yeah. And, and like, I, I guess I kind of get that, but that ultimately feels like it flies in the face of everything the analyst says he's doing because he says his whole thing is about feelings and fictions. That sounds like him balancing an equation yeah. still, yeah. which is like, I, I just like, aren't you running a greater risk by having Smith in there to begin with? Why would you want that kind of program running right especially yeah. because yeah. especially because you already have a handler program for neo that's doing a fine job um my see i kind of realized it the second time over what you're talking about sparks um the, the second time i watched it i kind of realized that like there's a moment when he's right before the merovingian shows up where he um talks to neo is like you know in order for me to be free i've got to kill you or whatever um or i, or I can't stop there's something he's there there's some conflict that he's there for but at the end of the film he's like I was freed when you, when Neo was freed. I was like, that was, that already happened by the time the Merovingian so, thing showed up. So, so what's, what he says is what he wants to do is he wants to go after the analyst. He wants to punish him for uh, imprisoning him, for chaining yeah, him. Yeah, I, I remember that. Uh, and he says, uh, you know, I need to go do that. Just stay out of my way. That's what he says. Yeah. He's like, he's not after Neo at all. And Neo says, I just got to get Trinity. I don't want to fight you either. And he's like, ah, but that's the problem. See, if you go to him, then he gets you. He knows you're going to go there. And when he gets you, he resets everything. And I go back to being chained. And he doesn't want that. And Neo says, well, that sounds like conflict. Yeah. And so then they have to fight. So that's why that happens. But that's but his goal is just to punish the analyst. Mm -hmm. I feel like he could have been working together. Yeah, I, I want to talk about John Scott real quick because I... Well, then and then they ultimately do, right? They do at the end. That's right? that's no the way. whole thing is that he's like, I guess I'll just interfere because he's about to lose. That's the whole reason Smith shows up when he does. He's about to lose. They're going to hold Neo and Trinity. They're going to make it so that they can't uh, reconnect with each other and blow the Matrix apart. So he's like, no, I, I now I interfere because I'm in trouble of being imprisoned. Yeah. He, is, mm -hmm. he is in this movie kind of just like a chaos agent, Smith. Um, which I... I I I like I like the I like that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it does feel like he he is like if you did take him out of the movie, not much would change. But I do like Jonathan Groff because there was a line where it's like you know like they re, like they gave me like a new body. He's like he's new hot Smith. So for me, <laughs> him not being like exactly as like uh, not even the mannerisms, but like as like stoic, 
made sense to me. And I think Tom actually works as like, he's still calling him like by his first name. Like he's still like disrespectful and instead yes. of calling him by his real name. Right. He's just more fly about it because he's more of like a cool business guy. Yes. Um. So that aspect did work for me. Uh, also, I just like seeing Jonathan Groff on screen. I think it's fun. I, I liked it too. <laughs> yeah. I, I love Gita Jackson's assessment from Waypoint of this movie is really just about two gay guys who are mad at each other because Neo doesn't love them the most. That's true. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, the the uh, the handler programs for Trinity um, is is uh, I believe one of the directors of John Wick. It's uh, Chad Stahelski. Yes, Chad Stahelski is uh, the director of John Wick. Also, also Neo stuntman for yeah. the earlier Matrix films. Handsome Chad. Handsome. He, he's he's handsome and he's talented. Uh, yeah. Real quick, Pi said in the comments that he enjoyed mm. that this film portrayed more optimism and reason to hope. Yeah. Uh, so I agree. I that's one thing that I love about this movie and like the thing. So when they get up to uh, uh, after like the big uh, uh, bicycle chase and like and the suicide swarmers, um, which is crazy uh, uh i think that's a cool new aspect of having like swarms having like bots instead of t instead of expelling the energy to take over people you just put a bunch of bots everywhere right um i thought that the ending that i thought they were gonna die and that was like even though it's sad it is their happy ending the way they wanted to go out when they were jumping off the building and i was like i was crying for sure thinking like we can't go back and everyone and then like they would just die and like the matrix would be over uh and that would be their happy ending the way they wanted i'm like God, it sucks. Like, it, but it works. And then she started flying. I'm like, oh, okay. Can I tell you. Uh, so, one of my favorite beats of this whole movie is when they get to the rooftop and Trinity sees the sun, and mm -hmm. she says, "Beautiful." Yeah. But the reason she's saying "beautiful" is because Trinity has seen the real sun, mm -hmm. the only person in the world mm -hmm. who has seen the real sun. And because she's seeing a fake sunrise, she sees the code. And when yeah. she sees the code. She's able to access And she's breathing source. in and out and like mm -hmm. the code going around her yes. and like the bird. Yes. Very, very pretty. I love that. that. Cool. I love that that as a callback to that moment because I think that moment is so pretty in Revolutions and that it's like, yeah. because Trinity has seen the real sun, Trinity can now see through the code. Okay, so uh, before I want before we talk about all the positive stuff with the emotions, I do want to talk about some of my negatives. Well, oh, can sure. I? You you, you brought up you brought up Trinity. You brought up, you brought up Trinity. I want to mention one thing about like uh, Sparks, you were talking about the sunrise similarly to what you're talking about with summer sunrise and to what ryan said you know with like like the cheering when trinity flied uh flew um when they reconnect in the coffee shop was the moment in the theater where i almost like i almost like elbowed my seatmates because I, I wanted to cheer so badly because that was such a big that was such an incredible moment from the moment where she, where she says my you know my name's trinity you son of a bitch or whatever uh and then the two of them being like pulled away as they're trying to reach each other. Uh, yeah. Tears. Loved it. Yeah. It's very, there's a lot of um, Renaissance kind of looking art moments. Uh, that's one of them, like them being pulled away from each other by all the police. It's, it's mm -hmm. almost like a Renaissance painting moment. There's the moment where Neo's stepping off the balcony and you have all the people like reaching oh, yeah. for him, yeah. him uh, crying behind him. That's Beautiful. almost very Renaissance-y. Uh, a lot of very interesting framing bits like that. Uh, I'll be positive for one more second. Uh, uh, because it's, it's probably like yeah, yeah. my like one of my favorite shots in the movie. But like when when they're jacking in uh, Trinity into Bugs, yes, and then it's like the trifecta of Bugs Trinity, Bugs Trinity, and like yeah. they're interspliced between fighting. Uh, and it's like Jessica Henwick's screams are so guttural, and I'm like, dude, this is so freaking cool. Oh my god, it's so cool. It's unfortunate that I feel like most of the action in the rest of the movie is pretty bad. So I you brought up the action. That is my biggest negative and i know like you know it's not the, that's not the type of movie she wanted to make 
totally get that. Appreciate that. Love this movie. Yeah. Um, but there is a sense that the Matrix was a cut above action films and has been since. Yeah. So and like you do, you do come to the movie expecting that there will be, and because like Justin and Henry talked like, yeah, we choreographed this whole thing. Like they hit like ten hours of footage of this fight. Um, Keanu Reeves is still an accomplished martial artist. Um, and like you, you cut that stuff to ribbons and then you shake it with the with the Bourne cam, and I'm like, this is yeah, disappointing. This is disappointing. All, I'm glad. I'm glad. I'm not the one who feels that. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm glad because like it, it's just again like those Matrix movies were where every single shot was was storyboarded, you know, like like digital, like they put so much effort. And not that saying that this is an effortless movie, that's not what I'm saying, but like clearly the action wasn't the forefront thought of this movie, which is fine. I would rather take the emotion over it. Yes. I don't like watching a Matrix movie that I think has bad action in it. True. Yeah. That, and it just kind of bums me out. There's like, and I've watched the scenes multiple times and be like, is it is it just me? Like, because I've watched so many good action movies the last couple of weeks. And I'm like, no, this is kind of shot kind of poor. I, I will say, I will say, I think the biggest offender of it is the warehouse fight between the Merovingians um, rejects and uh, and the, the Matrix people. Yeah. Um, because I do still like the Yaya Abdul-Mateen Keanu Reeves fight. I think that fight works. Oh yeah, that's just straight up martial arts. I think, I yeah. think that fight yeah. works. I think um, the very end of that Merovingian fight with Keanu and Groff in the bottom, yeah. that's all fine. All the single that stuff totally is fine. Yeah, yeah. Because the whole point is that like, the reason that fight works for me is because it doesn't need like all the moves are good enough yeah. for what it's doing because the whole point is that Neo doesn't want to fight. And, yeah. Um, Which and, is what I love. He, his power Trudy's, is to defend. To, yes, I love that. Yeah. I love that his power is just get away from me because Neo is done fighting. Yeah. Um, I also love the uh, Trinity's action. Trinity's action when she wakes up at the end, both with the bug stuff and just individual of that. And I think the action scene of the chase is very good. Yeah. Um, but I agree about like the train, the, the big, the big, the Merovingian people fight, the Merovingian yeah. uh, gang fighting with the the crew of the ship is like I, if you just focused on only Neo and Smith and I just like came back to them and they beaten those people up, I'd be like, that's fine. Yeah, yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Because I just don't, I I'm fine. Like I, that's not the focus, and it's not it's not being. I I agree. Like uh, Lana has talked about their their way that their filmmaking has evolved and like what used to be important to them and like how like mathematical the matrix was designed and very like clear cut and storyboarded every beat. And that's just not their approach in general to films. And so it wasn't going to be them like manufacturing that approach into this movie. Mm -hmm. And I totally get that. And I agree. Like, I wish that the action was something you could sing the praises of because that's what you do with matrix movies. Like that's, that's very commonplace of what's yeah. expected of it. And that's just not what this movie is. And it's like, uh, it kind of is a bummer. Yeah. Um, and but- it's, and again, like, I don't like, I'm not, obviously I'm not a filmmaker. I can do, I couldn't do any better, but like, I, I, I specifically that Merovingian fight, I, like, I think it's bad. I, I think agree. it's hard to look at. Like, it feels like, like early Chris Nolan, like the bat- train, the train, the train fight is awful. It's it's so close. Yeah, it is like it's I was like close. Yeah, uh, I agree. I agree on those counts. And the only thing that I can say in defense of it is that like I'm glad that it's not the movie's focus, and yes. I'm glad that that there aren't that many action scenes in the movie to begin with. Yeah. So I don't feel like the movie is trying to fill a quota of something it was never going to achieve anyway. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So I'm glad that like those things that aren't good about it are sparingly brief. Well, that's what um, I was, that's what I was, that's what I was going to get to. That's what I was trying to get at, which is the idea that like, it's not something that the, 
that that like actively hurts my enjoyment of the film. It is the only explanation, the only the only word that describes it is a bummer. Yeah. That's yeah, really like, all it comes down to. It's not necessarily me saying like this movie is bad because the action's bad. It's just like, well, that's oh hum. Yeah, the positives like out enormously outweigh like like the bad action scenes because yes. like everything else I really enjoy. Like and even there are still some really good action scenes. It's just like the big the big ones that used to be so cool just like this don't have focus anymore, which is fine. What, you know, what I appreciate is that the film doesn't feel like it's structured around action beats. Yes, which I feel like reloaded yes. in particular suffers a lot from where it feels like it's it's structured around action beats to to a degree to its detriment mm -hmm. for the consideration of the story it's telling whereas this one i'm like i'm glad that this if from every single step of the way it felt like you knew this wasn't the focus and therefore are telegraphing to the audience like don't focus on this a lot yeah this is not important your main character knows this isn't important. Mm -hmm. One of my favorite things about this movie, that since we're talking about that, is that Neo and Trinity don't use guns, and I love that. Me too. I, I just really love so that. many people don't like that Keanu is defensive, and I'm like, you guys also, are just not reading people, the movie. Also, people have been mad that Neo didn't use guns in this movie, and I'm like, he hasn't used guns since the Matrix. Bro, he's Superman. He hasn't need them since then. He doesn't need them. He did it. You're, you're right. He doesn't need. He doesn't use any guns since the Matrix. Right. So people are mad that he doesn't. And I'm like, I get it with Trinity. Like Trinity's always used guns, and now Trinity doesn't. And I'm like, they don't need to. And it's not important. It's, yeah. it's, that's not the point of this. Yeah. That's what I. That's what I. That's what I like about like the the mm -hmm. the the new force cut the new force push power that Keanu distributes in the film. You know, it's like. People are, he didn't have that power in the first, who cares? Uh, it's a different matrix, different code. Uh, also, he maybe he did, just didn't use it a lot because the idea that he's just tired of fighting, I don't want to fight, I just want Trinity. That's all I want, exactly. just give me Trinity. Exactly, and that's that's the movie, and I'm really grateful that that's the movie is what you're getting. And in tandem with that, I'm really grateful nobody dies in this movie. Me too. I love that. I love that oh, yeah. nobody yeah, none dies. Of, none of the none crew, of the crew yeah. dies. I think that's great. I don't think you need to kill any of them. No. I think it's wonderful that everybody got out alive. I didn't need anybody to die in this movie. I'm very content and pleased that nobody did. Yeah. I really like Jessica Henwick in this. Yeah. I love her She's, in this. I'm so I glad love, she was in this. Instead I, of love the, I love the whole crew, specifically her. Sequoia. And, and Sequoia. That guy's C. cool. Uh, and then... I need to look up. Her There's name. Lexi, the, Lexi who has all the you. tattoos. Uh, Lexi and Bugs, who have a coded queer relationship mm -hmm. going on, and then you uh, have the guy who's a neo. The other guy who's a neologist and is into just everybody. He loves beard, <laughs> but especially beard. he's like nervous about not being attracted to neo anymore. He's like the beard, the hair, it's really doing yeah. it for me. <laughs> yeah, I like the crew. Like just like Matrix One, like you get just enough uh, where you like you like everyone. You're like if they ever made more, like oh, I'd like to. You got the characters. you yeah. got the other captain. Uh, I forget his name, but he's the guy who asked Neo, hey could you really fly like it's weird to meet a legend oh yeah yeah. that kind of guy like yeah. everybody's just great like it, it's very nice because it this it feels like it reinforces that like by the way this is a time of peace these people are good people living like a good life in humanity and they're just trying to help neo get trinity back and i'm really glad that the movie ends without anybody being punished for that yeah yeah it's yeah i really i really enjoyed uh the, the new characters i really love how they how they've coded this new matrix, how they can hack into it. Like they have this like projector inside the matrix where they're, you see the, it's the guy, it, the guy. Oh, like a digital it's, such a, it's such a nice change to have the, the reader be there. How uh, do the, the mirrors work? The code of the matrix. How do the mirrors work? So yeah. uh, it appears that they can go through just any reflective glass is now how they can escape the matrix. 
rather than but like, like but they gotta hack it. Like he talks about like we hacked this hack mirror. Okay. Mm -hmm. I guess I, I I just like missed the part where like like I know why you're doing the phone thing, but like how are you Do you know like, why? I don't care. Running into a reflective surface is a lot cooler than just putting a phone to your head. It's pretty cool. And like mm -hmm. the idea of like the mirror will get bigger as you get closer, I'm like now it's kind I'm of like silly. Oh so my god, the scene the scene where he goes to the mirror and you just see him reaching out for the pod is so good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I really love that one. Uh it's so I, good. I like the the like the barrier of like this is a science fiction movie, but like love is as powerful as like science fiction is fun because like as Neo is getting taken away, Trinity's hand rises up. Yes. Like again, like they are oh. connected like magnetically. That's oh. how powerful their love is. And that's the kind of thing you're like, man, like that's really bold again to make this like like this action franchise just focus on like, no, we just want them to be happy together. And again, like it's one of those things where because we did directly revisit these films and like there are other people that did, and I don't get how you don't see it like Neo and Trinity being in love has always been the thing from beat one of the Matrix. The yeah. fact it she kisses him to bring him back to life in the Matrix. That's what happens. He is a Snow White story within the Matrix. That's what happens. I think another aspect of it is, and this is like definitely like what type of person you are. Like, I just don't think some people want this type of Matrix movie. Yeah. And that's and like I think that's fair. I really think it's fair. Um, sure. Like you know, it's this thing of like how much does like an audience own the franchise and that kind of thing, and like. Uh, I personally am always excited for the person who made it to continue on however they want, whether I like it or not. Again, like this is very much a last Jedi situation. We're like, we or are doing more, something fundamentally different that not a lot of people would think to do. Or even more accurately, this is, this is the prequels. It's just, I like this. Yes. I oh, like this. Yeah, I like yeah. all of this a lot. Yeah. Um, I love the world building so much. Like I, I can't tell you how bad if we don't get any more matrix stuff about the 60 years God, of I the hope. machine civil war, like I give me a Niobe like comic that like when she's like fifty like when all that shit happened like I will, I will read that instantly. Yeah, I I I'm so I was so moved throughout the whole movie by the like as as having rewatched those previous three films and like further and further zeroing in on Neo and Trinity are what I really enjoy about these films. Mm -hmm. Neo and Trinity being in love as the core thing. The fact that the analyst literally in this film calls out like it was never just you. Mm -hmm. It was it was you and her. The Oracle knew it. So Oracle, smart too. The Oracle did what she did because she knew it changed everything. Mm -hmm. It was you two together. Yeah. Uh and the fact that like they play that off in this film makes me so immensely happy and i guess like if you're a person who just that didn't appeal to you i i do get it like i get i get wanting a particular kind of matrix movie yeah. i'm just so grateful that this is the matrix movie we ended up absolutely with. yeah yeah me too uh, sati makes a, a wonderful appearance again by Priyanka jonas that's that's, jonas. that's maybe one of my negatives and it's very minor uh, it's not I, yeah i'm not I'm, uh, I'm indifferent no 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 my my whole thing is that what bothers me is we basically just like completely change what sati's father was uh from his original okay so like he was the, the waste management program for the power plant yeah in inside of the matrix in revolutions, in revolutions. Mm -hmm. now he's the guy who designed the pods that were used to resurrect neo trinity and i'm like oh big okay. upgrade big upgrade <laughs> like and that just felt like i mean she could have just done it because like we her didn't dad thought neo was nice yeah we didn't like need he connection. didn't need to have been murdered because he made the pods. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like for real, it could have just been like Sati's like, like, you know, I've been doing my best to try to help from the outside. Like they didn't need to bring up the, the dad stuff whatsoever. Don't yeah. Me. I just thought like is his dad was the dad was a totally fine character as was. Like I didn't think yeah. we needed to make a Death Star I still think the, engineer the, out of him. The like the the real world to matrix hijack of brain stuff is radical. 
Yeah. That is such a cool idea. The the uh the whole escape of taking Trinity out of her pod, getting Trinity out of her pod. Um, and coming and going through the going in through the the the, the, the Neo's pod and then going out through this giant like this waste disposal sequence that was clearly there to be like oh they woke up dump and, and Morpheus um, being like like ball man doing stuff. it's, it's mm-hmm. such a cool cool action sequence I loved it yeah very cool heist Sentinels look just as good as ever yes yep. oh yeah um, the film is shot really beautifully. Um, one of my favorite shots is in the moment we're just talking about where they pull Trinity up out of the goo. It's got like a lot of great blue light on her, but you see the red of the mm-hmm, machine mm-hmm. that's holding her back. Like it's just a really pretty movie to look at. Uh, when I so like the the Matrix uh, until the end is kind of like like a bright like San Francisco esque looking place. At the end, uh, when it's about to get about to get restarted, the green tint returns at the simulate. If I don't yes. know if you guys noticed that, yes, uh, I did it, notice that. The, the, it goes back to it for the final images. I'm yeah, like, yeah. that's 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 really nice. Because yeah. really the, nice. the, the, the machines are going to the machines are going to reboot the Matrix to its previous version. Yeah, get so everyone first, out. So, so the first time I watched it, I was weirded out for a moment, and then I caught up with myself. But I think there's something weird in the structure of like how Smith exits this movie, um, because after Smith wins, he's like, you know what's, uh, you know you, what's the difference between us is uh, you anybody could have been you. And Whereas I'm, I can be anybody. And, and then he changes into another person. Yeah. Then the bots come in. But the bots were called by the analyst. Mm-hmm. But for a moment, I'm like, wait, did Smith just re-pull a Smith? Is the Smith just attacking them? And I had to, like, restructure my brain and be like, no, the no, analyst yeah. called the bots. He just left the body. So like, It he, was just yeah. a weird exit for Smith that didn't totally yeah. Again, jive with me. I, he's kind of, like... like yeah. Not pointless to the movie, but, like, they clearly wrote him in because he had to be in there. Like, I guess he just leaves now but again if you're not getting hugo weaving maybe don't put him in there well my other thing is like my other thing is like him written in this way to be this person who who plays the role unless the role would have been drastically different i like groth better for the casting of this role of this producer in this video game company than hugo weaving it's very hard for me to picture him as that persona would it be if it if it didn't change whatsoever would it be hugo weaving being like ah tom i'm handsome like would it it wouldn't be well it wouldn't be that but 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 like i'm just talking like the role he plays in the sense of the company as his boss yeah yeah. and that kind of thing like i feel like that would that would wouldn't quite have the same energy for the modern sensibility of what it's doing that i think groff is able to do because frankly just because he's younger i think the younger like, I, I really do yeah, think yeah, that's yeah. important i think it's important that jonathan groff smith character is a younger person than thomas anderson in the context of the matrix thing that's constructing where his boss is younger than him i think it is very important for the sense of that creative and adult isolation that thomas is being put through yeah that his boss is a younger doesn't quite get it i a uh, role in his life and Hugo Weaving wouldn't be able to do that because he's not young. Yeah, he's I wouldn't be surprised old. if there was if he just had a different type of role in the movie. Yeah. Right, and like I, I'm open to that, but like this particular thing, I like that, and I like that 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 uh, discrepancy between them in the context of like the meta narrative of what it creates at the game company. There's a there's a sweet little Christina Ricci cameo for thirty oh, seconds. Love her. So there's also fun. there's also also Martha Jones, guys. Martha that is Jones. Martha Jones. It was I, I didn't recognize her the first time, and then at the glasses, yeah, yeah, yeah. from Doctor Who. She's one of the people in like the round table talking about what the Matrix means to people. Doctor. Doctor. Oh, she was okay. the, the the third season companion in Doctor yep. Who for for oh. uh, David Tennant's Doctor. Okay. Yep. I, uh, I, I where do you guys where do you guys land on the the bullet time slow mo? Love it. I like it. Love yeah, it. I don't have a problem with it. I think uh, it looks I think it looks like 
like off kind of like on purpose like that's it's it's off it's off. he's filmed he's filmed at a different frame rate yeah, yeah. than than uh keanu is and i think that that works i think it's supposed to be like unnerving like it's not supposed to look natural like people are saying like it looks awesome like i think it's supposed to look like that like on purpose like yes. like it's supposed to make it's supposed to be uneasy see, looking, i don't i see it there's the people who talk about like the thing that does that baffles me cr- crazy since we've already brought up i don't i try not to do this too often but like the thing that drives me crazy about the criticism is like this is bad on purpose. No, it's not. It's also not bad. Just like yeah. I, I don't think that that sequence looks bad on purpose. I think it's just it's it's a it's it's supposed to like you said unsettle you. It's there to unsettle you because you're supposed to feel like anything can anything is possible at this moment, and he is hopeless. And you're right. just, you're seeing like more of Neil Patrick Harris than you're ever supposed to see well, in real they, life. Like, yeah. I think they do a very smart thing of like uh, when he makes the comparison of like. Uh, nightmares are just us maximizing your output. Um, it works just like this. If only I could catch the bullet. And I'm like, everybody knows that exact feeling that you are just now telling us. That's what he's experiencing. Yeah. It's that it's that I can't quite do it, but I should be able to do yeah. it moment. Uh, I thought that worked totally fine. Yeah. I, I do think there is a discrepancy between people associating with like, this is bad on purpose and this is unimportant on purpose. Mm-hmm. This is framed in a way where it's not it's not relevant. This is more in terms of the action. But uh, I, I think that people are missing that distinction. Yeah. Um is fantastic. I know you brought Sabebe. I just love all the all the droids. I love Sabebe. All the droids are great. I have no problem with the fist bumping droid, although some people do. Luminate. Yeah. He definitely feels like the most like like Transformers y like I'm I, a, I'm a people are like Star Wars prequels right here, and I'm like, I yeah, I guess. Yeah. Like I don't care. Yeah. I really like how Neo is able to fully comprehend fully fully accept like Sabebe. Like there are it's another one of my favorite moments, him and Sabebe coming together. He's like, can I? Regarding, yeah. Because when 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 they're they're like, this is the thing. He's like, okay, can I can I ask it a question? Yep. Because that's what Neo was always about. Neo was always like, not always, but that's what Neo became about, right? In Revolutions, is that he understood that the machines weren't just all bad things. And yeah. then yeah, got Kujaku, which is like the bird robot. Uh, I again, I need I need more history of like. Sentinels, like the robots evolved after the war ended, after the peace. Like, all right, oh, like the new ones don't have to be monsters anymore. We can look like beautiful birds. We can look like Articuno robots. Right. Like, mm-hmm. I'll take it. I think that's awesome. We don't have yeah, to look like, like terrifying crab squids anymore. That'd be great. I really like the idea. Like, I always kind of figured it because when we see um, in the first Matrix, I believe it is, um, there's a lot of robots walking around the the like the pods and and the 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 fetus farm or whatever they call it. Um, and, and, stuff. and I always thought that like every single one of those machines that we see is a is the equivalent of a person in the Matrix. Yeah. So that's actually not totally true. If you dig into the lore, a lot uh, there are ones that are sent, uh, sentient that are like the programs, but there's also ones that are just drones. Yeah. And they're just drones, and they're they're like radio controlled things. The ones that they throw like bombs, drones, not so programs. They don't. That's have why they call them. Computers. That's why they call them. They call them sentients in this movie, right? Cynthians. Cynthians. So, Cynthians. so like the programs and and other machines are now called Cynthians, the ones that want to be recognized in that way. But it is an important distinction that like um, the Sentinels are actually drones. Mm-hmm. They are not. Uh, they don't have consciousness. They don't. They they function like a radio transmitter and a tool uh, for the machines. They are not themselves uh, their own like <laughs> it, it, feeling and emotion kind of thing. At any rate, I appreciated that we kind of dug more into that in this movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I agree completely. Um, I, I was grateful to learn that that was a part of the lore because I it made me feel like there's a clear distinction of like what is a 
living uh being within a machine and what is not even to the machines themselves yeah yeah, yeah that yeah. um that cool french robot who loved to make strawberries yeah cool i just i love the idea like like machine human civilization that's so cool uh we danced around it earlier but how did you guys feel about the merovingians cameo it took me a while to recognize him I'm yeah sorry. i'm not about it. i i i wouldn't even mind him but i also think his speech it's the only time in the movie where i'm like 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 the the, the sequel you, the sequel get... reboot i'm like this is a little too much for what you're saying everything yes. else was was fine this was too far so mm -hmm. i i i feel i feel very much the same way i do find it interesting that the merovingian scene is the the proof positive that people go to when it's like this is why the movie's making fun of sequels and you and this whole movie shouldn't exist or whatever like they use that much like they use tlj when uh the last jedi when when ben solo says let the past die like yeah. that's not that's the bad guy that's not the yeah. thesis of the movie that's the bad guy say, having a misunderstanding of the thesis of the movie the merovingian wants his matrix back yeah, he's yeah. literally saying and like, like I, the world needs to be better. He's an old man. I get yeah. that. I think like I think the biggest part for me, honestly, that doesn't work for me is the way that it's filmed. Yeah. Where like I can feel that he wasn't there with everybody else. It is hundred yeah. percent he filmed on a different day, he was not there. And like yeah. and like he's a weird cutaway cameo and like the only amount I enjoy his appearance really is for the moment when Neo sees him and he goes, oh God, that guy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And like beyond that, I kind of like, I don't, and if you I don't, don't care. And I think the worst egregious thing about this is that you go out of your way to bring back the Merovingians exiles and Smith being like, I found some old friends. And they're not werewolves. And they're not werewolves or ghosts or They're just like dudes from like, like the Lion King musical or something. Like, it, it, yeah, that was I agree. the only part of the movie where I'm like, oh man. Oh, yeah, yeah, I, I, I think Sam's absolutely right. They'll, they'll really only good part about that sequence is just, it's just sees the Merovingian. Oh God. Yeah, like I had a peak of interest when he showed up, but then he just started spouting words, and I'm like, first of all, I don't know what you're saying. So thank God I had subtitles on, because like if you were just watching that, I'm like, you, you get half. Oh yeah, like specifically, he's like Mark Suckerface and Wikipedia shits, and I'm like. That just sounds like an old person out of touch, to right. be honest. Like yeah. that, yeah. Mark Zuck, like Facebook has nothing to do with like the Matrix. Like that is strictly just like old man writing but, a script. Yeah, I mean, but like, <sighs> cut him out. Don't need him. You don't need him. Yeah, I, I think I think like that exact concept was like visually told to us of an assessment of like make you think about it when uh, Neo's in the elevator in the montage and he looks up and he sees everybody on, on the their phone. phones around him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought that was like. We, we've got it like there's plenty there for us to dig into that like is good commentary on how we engage with the internet which is a great thing like i don't think we talked about it enough frankly in like our long conversations about the matrix how important it was that the matrix was at the real like cresting point of the internet becoming boom, what the yeah. internet is now mm -hmm. uh and it didn't know and so it was like creating hypotheses like while the matrix is like its own thing about like representing philosophy and how we engage with like these sense of ourselves it was also like a conversation about like we don't know what the future of the digital age is going to be in the wake of the internet and now resurrections lives in that thing where we do know and being a good commentary on how that's affected us and how that's changed us and what we need to value in the heart of that which was always intimacy and uh personal yeah. touch and love yeah there's there's a sense in that montage uh that i really love the idea of like you know because the matrix is imperfect he keeps taking these blue pills because to make the analyst like yeah you're not going to notice because if if i if you stop taking these you're going to notice that this isn't perfect and that you're in the matrix and yeah, i yeah. cannot have that right i love his glasses the analyst glasses, glasses. oh yeah, I like when, he, when he throws them away when he's just like 
So I love the reveal when Neil Patrick Harris turns out to be the analyst and the main villain of the, the movie. Uh-huh. I clocked I it. it. I clocked it when he showed up in the mirror in the in the opera house. Oh so yeah, like, that's, oh, yeah, yeah. That's oh, what yeah. I mean. you're, having, you're having a traumatic episode, Tom, and he's trying to grab him, and pull him through. Oh, yeah, yeah, because I was like, the, because it, 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 it's funny because it, like feels like an early warning system for the analyst to just have a mirror and he's just walking by. He's like, oh no, I'm oh, about to be found out. <laughs> But when, uh, he, when he like finally comes out as total bad guy, I really love that scene. Also, my favorite part of the movie is when Trinity says, "Stop calling me that effing name. My name is Trinity. That's not my effing name. My name is Trinity." And she starts kicking ass and taking names. Yeah. Um. Man. Yeah. Trinity... She still gets her Ducati, which makes me happy that she loves that she still gets her Ducati. She's still a bike bike lady. Yeah. Um. It's cool because like initially you can see like okay like Trinity is not going to be in the movie a lot, so I was kind of worried before we got to like more of it. Uh, but by the time we get to the end, like, I, man, I just, them just sitting down talking is, like, so freaking good mm-hmm. and, like, powerful. And, like, watching that scene, like, multiple times. This has my favorite score of all the Matrix movies, by the way. I, if you guys it's have. It's very good. It's, it's, it's even, the movie doesn't even do it justice because people are talking over it a lot. But, like, if you listen to the score on Spotify, it is stunning. It is truly, like, especially their theme. Like, Neon Trinity have a love theme, just like Will and Elizabeth. That is just as good, I think. If, if like, it is so powerful. So, uh, I kind of want to touch on this because I was watching, you probably watched this too at some point, Lana Wachowski's interview, like the main one that they did about this film, mm-hmm. and that this is the composer who comes from Cloud Atlas and yeah. everything. Yeah. The way that they work is different from how most composers work, which is that they cut the film and then the composer matches it to the final cut of the film. They are in conversation with the music for the edit, so they are also deciding the edit of the film to go with the music rather than having it only be a one-way uh, chain. It's a conversation between the, the artists of like, maybe if we make this cut here, then the music can come in on this beat. It's true this collaboration. Moment. Yes, yeah. exactly. And like that's one of the reasons why Cloud Atlas has such a fantastic score to match its film, and this has such a fantastic score to match its film. Yeah, uh, 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 the the high strings uh, uh, are just beautiful, and like at at the very very top of the rooftop, like when she's like, "This is where my dream ended," and I'm like, "Oh my god, they're about to kill themselves," and that's their happy ending. This is awful, mm-hmm. and then then they don't. You brought up the coffee scene. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I want to talk a bit about that about the scene. The two when they're when they're having a cup of coffee together, the tiniest cups of coffee you've ever seen in your life. Um, mm-hmm. Whether have when they're having the the the, the coffees together, uh, it's a very good scene. It's very well paced. It's very well shot. It's seeing like um, having this conversation of like, you both know there's something here, but you can't quite just can't quite place it because that's what this matrix is doing to you. It's making yeah. it just just out of reach. Uh, a really nice touch. I clocked um, the second watch through is that uh, Thomas Anderson Neo has a. I want dead name him. Um, Neo has a alert on his phone for when he knows Tiffany will go to the coffee shop. Yeah, it's it's almost uh, stalker status. And it's not labeled that way, but <laughs> yeah. like that's what happens. And then he's like, "I need to go get coffee." Yeah, and yeah. I'm like, "Oh man, that's so good." Uh, honestly, the second like, time, the second time, sorry, Ryan, real quick. Okay, the second yeah. time I watched it, um, I recognized how unnatural the handler pro- programs were before. Before we're told that's what they are, there's the yeah. bit where where as soon as Neo's in the vicinity of Trinity, here comes Chad. Yes. Hey, what's up? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The way that they they move in to handle the situation, like, okay, it's getting too much now, which yeah. is weird because Jude is also a handler but facilitates it. But it's almost like he needed to like facilitate the meeting so that a kibosh could be put yeah. on it by Chad. He's the yeah. instigator, and because, then Chad because that's he, the important yeah. thing is that they need to be kept close but not too but close. Not like to get magnets, baby. Yeah. Um. The old the older reflections 
thought those were yeah. a really nice touch gets you thinking about like okay so what's what's up here what's going on oh what was the you brought up something interesting that I wanted to bring up. It's all gone. Okay, never mind. I, I got uh, Jude. Jude is the handler. Uh, I was talking about the handlers interrupting each other, triggering uh, a reason to keep them apart. Oh, when they're being revived. When they're being oh, when more of their resurrection. Oh yeah, literally their res the resurrection. Seeing the seeing the inside of their eyes and their brains and like and and when the analyst was like, we we couldn't figure out the code your code. And then they put them together, and then that's when like things got real. And you see him using the powers in real life because yeah, they couldn't figure out how to access the source code that was inside of Neo. Yeah, and then they realize, oh, it's the two of them. We can hack that. It's like, but like using because the idea of like Neo and Trinity being the the thing together is there. Neo's always more. If you watch the original trilogy, like Neo's always the most powerful when it comes to Trinity. Um, and when and in this scene, it's it's no different. Like he is. When they're together, he is awake, knowing I have to protect Trinity, uh, and like that's how he's able to use his force powers in the real world as well. I thought that was a nice touch. They the they don't have that much screen time together in this in this like you know pretty long movie, but like again those those few scenes that they do interact together. Um, the the when she talks about she tells her husband like oh like she looks like she looks like me right this girl in the game and he laughed at her. Yeah. And, and, and and like that really upset her because like she secretly knows that there's something like that's what's mm -hmm. so good about it like i think this is the best keanu has been in all these movies because like he's oh he's, yeah like both of them are pretty subdued in those other movies because they're just like they're trying to be more like subdued action movies there's obviously yeah. love there, but like it is not like heart pounding emotion this movie's heart pounding emotion it is the forefront of it uh and it's like i, I it's worked so well like i can't believe that's how the, that's is with this little bit of dialogue that that's really is kind of at the heart of the differences between this film and the and the trilogy, where it's like the trilogy, like the the heart of the film, the, you know, what they they had a mission statement with that film to like you know philosophy, um, mu you know, philosophical musings, you know, things like that. Um, but in this film, they don't care about that anymore. They just want to make a movie that is all love, all emotion, because that was always supposed to be the point. Yeah. So like this film, kind of putting the the final spin of like the reason why everything is different the reason why this movie is different is because we're not we're, we're it is a love story it is a love story of two people who desperately want to bone each other at every point at every point yeah. um trying to get back together i i definitely think my favorite scene in the movie and it's near the end it is it's after they it's so like uh neo goes to the coffee shop and it's the ultimatum uh trinity the, the analyst is going to allow Trinity to make the choice, stay in the matrix or go, go with Neo. Um, but it's up to her alone. Right. Uh, and ev all the cops are there, the whole squad's there and she's walking out. Uh, and like the music's playing like the, oh! and, and Chad Stahelski's like, Tiffany, you bitch. And I was like, damn it, Chad. Uh, well, when, when they walk in, when they walk in is uh, my whole theater kind of like, ood, like, because it's the analyst, like the analyst yeah. is playing a trick. Like he he's making it so that like if they don't show up now she's gonna she's gonna turn I'm gonna lose my thing and so like bring in Chad let's go. It's just so good and then that that is probably my. It's not even like the whole action scene. I just I really love like the the, the thirty seconds of Trinity and Bugs just going back and forth. Uh, it's just visually just so stimulating. It's just so cool to watch. Yeah, I did really like that really one. Good. Um, I think one of my other negatives and like I don't know how you solved it honestly. Um, for me. Like, I really like this movie, so there's not too much I would do to change this. It's just kind of a bummer that we don't get more Trinity in this movie. Yeah. Yeah. And I can't, I, I'm, I stand by that. I wish Carrie Ann Moss got to do more. Yeah. Um, because I really love her. 
but uh i get it like i think the whole story kind of works the way it needs to yeah it's just it's just a bummer and it's like it's such a great ending for them specifically like like her because like she she wasn't the main character of the last movie and now she gets to be um yeah you there's not a lot you can do unless you get her out earlier but, but like, that, that, but then the, there's nothing. You that's have the so, point of the movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Either, either the only other way to fix it is for Neo to be the one who's stuck and her to get out, and she has to go get him. Yeah. But we've done that. Yeah. We're gonna make it a cliffhanger or something. Yeah, you can't do that. Yeah, I, uh, I wanted, I really like the, uh, the scene at the end with the analyst, mm-hmm. uh, when they're like, "We're not gonna, we're just gonna change our matrix. We're gonna do make this our world now." And she kicks his jaw off just the way she said she wanted to kick off Chad's. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, there's a, there's a, my favorite line in this movie is when um can't believe it's real right real there's that word again yeah the analyst is maybe a little overly sexist for reasons that i don't totally click with they just there a few lines make sense but there is definitely like, near, the, near the end it's just like you know you, you can't you control her yeah like, a lot of that kind of like you know, you were such a bitch. Feel, with feel blah, like blah, blah. a good little bitch. Yes, and I'm like uh, that last line specifically. I'm like, okay, that one's maybe too much. That yeah. one's maybe too much. I think I think there's just one or two too many. Yeah, like I, I get you want to make him the bad guy, but like we, you know, I feel like that sexism is maybe a little yeah, strange. Yeah, yeah. I, I feel like you 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 only needed the the bit where 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 he's like, can't you control her? Like that's all. Yeah. yeah. Women used to. Be, there's a line like when she when they're frozen. Like women used to be so easy to control. And like that could have been the last line. And then he gets his ass kicked, but like, no, we got a couple more. Okay, Just kept right. going. Like they were like, what should, what should he say? How about all of them? Yeah. yeah. And I'm and I'm like, that's just a little strange for like a program to have. Yeah, yeah. Like a program that's not living in the current modern. I think they just like adapted. Like they just want an excuse to like cut his throat after, which I also thought maybe was a little excessive. Like he's digital, but like cool, sure. cool the way that his like body falls apart. Yeah, the code. I really like. I like that. when he's getting yeah, shot. And stuff. Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah. yeah. Uh, or of course, when he gets his jaw kicked off, and you see yeah. like bits of pixelated like, code, snaps it back. It's pretty yeah. Cool, yeah. Um, let me think. Um, Look at oh, the sorry, I I I wasn't even talking about the, my favorite part of the scene I was talking about. As Trinity's walking out, they're going to unplug and kill Neo. That was the plan. Yeah. So the music's glaring, and Sequoia goes up to walk to Neo with his robot hand to unplug him. Yeah. It's just so beautiful. It's so good. Guys, that soundtrack is incredible. Like, mm, I, love I, the, love I love the new neck piece. Oh, the big, the big the boy. Of him. Yeah. Big yeah, boy. he has more plugs for, for everything than everyone else because he, because yeah. obviously they added new ones because they're like, I guess we should add more to these. Yeah, yeah. Um, um, we didn't talk about swarms very much. Like, that is the new enemy. Like, obviously not as cool as agents, but like, just having hundreds of people. Bots. Just bots, yeah. Uh, a sort of swarm mode, excuse me. Um, like, and he says, like, that's this version of the Matrix. That's their agents. Like, yeah, yeah. you know, like, we just copied a bunch of people. Just yeah. suicide bombing. Just easier to just have them not be real people to begin with. Yeah, uh, it, it's really wild. It's like a couple's laying in bed, and then a husband just activates and jumps out the window. Can you that's imagine? horrifying. It's like, man, this is this is rated R. This is like a Shyamalan movie right yeah. now. Gosh. <laughs> Shyamalan movie is a good example of this. I mean, the, the, his, the suicide movie, is, people are dropping. Uh, yeah. yeah, overall, like I'm like the 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 emotions outweigh the the unfortunate like anti action that I that I wanted, but it doesn't bother me because that's not what the movie was trying to be. Yeah, I've been kind of like talking in bits and pieces about it, but I just kind of want to put into like the final words, like the idea of like 
you know, the code of the one of this version of the one was always two people. Um, kind of like having that 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 subtext of the original trilogy be text and be the final word on this, I think is really cool and kind of like retroactively explains the the trilogy, like you know, kind of like helps explain more how why this version of the matrix ended differently than the others. Um, yeah, I just I thought that was really clever and I liked it a lot. Yeah, I agree. Um, I've got some notes. I'll Go start it. blowing through some, and if you want to elaborate on it, then we can do that. Um, I really love uh, when Bugs is engaging with the modal. We get the key shop reference to the key maker, which is exactly where we get the back doors that the yeah, key yeah, maker yeah. designed the keys yeah. for. Uh, I love when Mateen does. I love her. Movies. Yeah, I'm sorry. I love her. I even love it when she says, "What's up, Doc?" I <laughs> I want her to be uh, the Iron Fist. Um, yeah. I love when Mateen says, I am Morpheus and I have to find Neo. I think that's a really great line. But I also think I totally understand where, like, if you are struggling to try and, like, really capture what this movie's saying, um, you are pretty much lost from that moment on. <laughs> uh, I love when he pops back up uh, and yeah. when he's taking the red pill and he pops back up out of the door in the agency and they're like, Agent Smith. And he's like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. starts laughing. I think that's a really great beat. I really um, like the concept that you can free programs. I, even this agent, you know, just give them the pill and let we, you know, you can yes. free them. Yes. Uh, I think Jude has a, as a handler, has a really great, like, sick line where he's like, I was raised by machines. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> in describing the Matrix, I'm like, uh, like, dude bros have said this to Lana Wachowski for sure. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, the adult sense of isolation in the lose lose that we talked about, uh, I think that's really, really uh, pervasive and strong. Uh, throughout this film i think it's done really well when oh my uh, god when he tells the analyst that he feels he's either having another breakdown again or he's living in a computer generated uh prison again and he's like those are the, <laughs> those are the things it's one of those two things uh, and they're both terrible it's wild that like that uh he wins a game award like an actual real like the video game awards yes. a, a trophy and then immediately just kill himself because yes. he won an award yes I'm like man that's 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 your life. Like you, you're successful, and you win an award. You're like, I gotta go. This is can't. Nope. I, I need to stress again that I think the montage of the suffocating repeated conversations about the Matrix and everything tied to that, the whole White Rabbit sequence, is incredible. I think that's a genius montage sequence. I can watch that sequence all the time. Yeah. Uh, I think all the visuals of it, it, all the storytelling beats are good. The way that it's just the date, like months are going by, and the same and, things and the are music, being talked about over and over uh, and over again. That song White Rabbit is also cut in a way where like certain parts loop differently. It's not. It's not the song yes. one-to-one and it uses it really well yeah. uh i love in that sequence when neo is hitting the mirror and he's just laughing after he dumps the blue pills he's just like <laughs> and i'm like oh my god uh you also get sati appearing working in the oh. shop there yep um good use of flashbacks in general throughout the film i think they're they're well paced and timed and uh hit those right emotional beats. i thought that they were going like after a while they kind of stopped doing it but then they come back and I'm like i'm glad because i really like it is really Again, it's, it's time. Like something seeing like Trinity exit somewhere and then flashes back to a movie from 25 years ago. I'm like, oh shit, that's cool. Yeah, the part where like she turns and you see that other moment when she turned away. Yeah, yeah. It's like, ugh, your heart. I love, um, uh, I love <laughs> the coffee shop bonding between Neo and Trinity, specifically her talking about hating her husband for not respecting her, seeing herself inside of the game. Um, <laughs> Mateen is excellent. Uh, when Morpheus is bothered to be called an experiment uh when he first encounters neo and he's like you wanted this you made me for this yeah, yeah that's yeah. when i get a little bit of the smith and like that's the only scene where i feel like i get some of it i want where I he's bet. just like 
he's just like, you can't be mad that I'm here. Like, what do you do? I wonder how much he just shoves his arm through the mirror. Yeah, oh, yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm so curious, curious to see I, that features. Agent Smith thing feels like something they they probably should have cut if they're not gonna do a lot with it. Uh, when Groff gets the gun and uh, awakens into Mr. Anderson, Anderson, that's a great bit. I love it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I really love the way they visually do deja vu, bringing him out of the shootout into the analyst, and like it kind of like, oh. melts away. Yeah. Uh, oh yeah, back. that was that was so cool. The second the second time I watched that, I was uh, I realized that like this is happening in real time. This isn't we're just seeing like the after effects. It's like the analyst is pulling him out of that fight. Yeah, yes, exactly. Like, he's pulling him. He's pulling him away. Um, I love the genius of the new Matrix being able to acknowledge itself in a way of saying it's not real. That's the best way to be the Matrix is to just be like, bro, what do you think you're in the Matrix? Yeah, the best way to to. <laughs> To, mm-hmm. to destroy the matrix is to make it boring right that's like that's yeah, how you to win, make it yeah. mundane yeah make it mundane um i think uh, there's a great discussion with morpheus building to him taking the pill where he uh hints at the concerns there have been over not finding him uh i think that's all done very well like how they've been looking for him they they specifically morpheus references that um some people believe that maybe he like betrayed them and and was always in league with the machines that that's like there are still those dissenting discussions about the one yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, i think is really cool um, I love the design of the chamber that's holding the two pods for Neo and Trinity. I yeah. think that's really, yeah. really well designed. Me too. Um, I loved in general the expansion of the machine city. We get like the big whale looking like machine yes. kind of thing. Like there's all kinds of crazy shit. I love all. the new the new design for their ships. We have it has like part uh you see like the the hovercraft machinery and then like part machine. It's like head. a tail, yeah. Flying, love it. Uh this movie is 10 out of 10 because Bug says what's up, Doc? I love that. I can't believe they got away with it and it works. <laughs> um, it works. Yeah. Uh, there is that, like, again, this is a, a this specifically Morpheus says that line where he says, uh, where he says that he's a combination of Smith and Morpheus. He's like counter programming that was more than a little crazy making. Like, there's something that should be there. And I feel like it's just under explored or under characterized. Yeah, yeah. Ultimately, though, I like, I like him a lot. I think he's really good. Yeah. I love, He's fun, yeah. I love that we get the classic Matrix music beat when Neo uses his pushback force abilities, and yeah. that's pretty much the only time we hear, but it gets the... Yeah. Like, I think that's really good. Mm-hmm. Um, they took your story, something which meant so much to so many like me and made it something trivial. That's the specific line from Bugs that Brandon was referencing earlier. It's a really good, like, this is Bugs talking as the fans of the Matrix. Like, this is, this is who that should be appealing to. Um we talked about that oh yeah i'm trying to go through my notes as well the next page is all just matrix online notes <laughs> Ooh. not all seek to control just as not all wish to be free is i think a great line about the the synthians this mm-hmm. is why this is what he's saying in response to like why the machines are free why they're why they're wanting to not work with the idea of what the matrix is he's like not all human beings want to be free not all Machines want to be controlled. Yeah. Um, or be oppressed. There's a there's a parallel between Zion's fall and the fall of humanity and in, in the Animatrix that I found interesting. Yes, I think that's really, really good. Yeah. I, I think that the Animatrix also still adds a lot of good test even to this film. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um I really like that Lexi is the one who adds the bit uh when they're saying like Bugs is saying to Neil, like, we don't know how to get Trinity out. Like we've kind of used our one Hail Mary pass. And then Lexi is like, yeah, we don't know how to get Trinity out yet. Be positive. Yeah. 
I really like that. I think that's a good beat. I, the whole the whole bit of like Neo coming back uh, and speaking with Niobe, which you talked a little bit about, but like speaking with Niobe and having the moment with her um, <laughs> is really, I think, really good because there's a lot of like there's a lot of like world building and character building between Niobe and and um, oh Jessica Henwick bugs um, the so having the two of them like having that history you kind of feel that and then like neo is like great i don't want to put anybody in trouble give me a ship and i'll just go get her um you know like let's just do that it's like nope can't can't compromise what we've built here can't compromise that i'm sorry right right um yeah i i love niobe uh having that discussion with neo and being and pointing out the silence and that the sound design is so good that up to that point in the movie you've been getting noise all the time so that silence really like it lands for you it really hits um I love Niobe's story. I'm so glad Jaya Pinkett Smith got more in this. I, yeah. I'm really happy yeah. for her. Uh, I love her telling the story of how she didn't believe for years until like she kept waking up and never hearing the alarm. Yeah. And just every day waking up to silence and she how grateful she is to me. And it's cool that. because if you didn't, if you're somehow someone who didn't watch the Matrix movies and you're watching this, you get just enough because you see the flashbacks of her at, at the fall of Zion. And so you're like, you know, I was there and like, and blah, blah, blah. So like, I know what, what needed to be done and stuff. And I think that's, that's cool that they brought her back. Yeah. Um, Niobe being comforted by a female partner mm-hmm. as Bugs goes away. Uh, again, a little bit more queerness added into the film. I'm just gonna pretend that Z link, link, link died and Z just had to hook up with her. Oh, sure. <laughs> uh, here's the line it's uh, when they're having the moment where uh, Smith is describing what he wants and why he can't have Neo go there, and Neo says, Well, that sounds like conflict, and Groff says, Inevitable doesn't have to be like he goes into the hugo weedy cadence for inevitable and then goes back to what he's doing as the new version of smith right Uh, that was the specific i did write that down and i did like that a lot um god (laughs) merovingian originality mattered books used to be better like oh yeah okay all right grandpa yeah, that was the uh, that was the part that like people. Uh, it's frustrating. People are just like, "This is what the major is about." No, that's what the bad guy's saying. It's not what it's about. Shut up. Yeah, um, I really like when Smith says, "You've lost something, Tom. You're not what you used to be." And he says, "You know, you're right." And like the answer is Trinity. Like I, I, I love that. That's just a the sense of what's going on with Neo right now. Yeah. Um, the 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 end with the two of them flying together. Oh, come on! So good. Oh, so good. Quietly yearning for what you don't have while in fear of losing what you do. Yep. Uh, that's a great line from the analyst describing exactly what he's built the entire matrix around. Yearning. Um, I love the concept of the fail safe that, like, if the analyst plan goes wrong for even a moment, the machines are like, then we're going back to what the matrix was. Tell you, it's, it's a good place. Uh, we're, we're going back to exactly what the original plan was. It, it is a good place. Um, and the analyst is too cocky to evacuate Trinity. He's confident he'll get Neil back, so that's why he's not like just pulling the plug on his plans. They, um, they do. They do <laughs> explain that like if that doesn't happen, then Trinity is likely dead because like the analyst will not will not cop to the idea that he's had Neo and Trinity and just never told the humans. Like he can't do that. So he's like, if this happens, Trinity's going in the grinder. Yeah. Uh, all the captains volunteering is a great moment. No, it's good. Yeah, I thought that good. was really good. Mm-hmm. Good moment. Uh, the concept of the bugs bypass is really cool. We've talked about it visually, how great it is. Uh, I just wanted to highlight that. I like. I think that's really cool that like the concept is like we can actually move her 
uh, consciousness away as long as we make sure she is maintained being plugged into the matrix so we get her on the ship and the way to do that is that she has to be constantly plugged in so they have to plug bugs in while they unplug her and then replug her into the portable unit to get her into the matrix so like she never technically leaves the matrix in a way so weird but But she's like cool but she's like with one in one conscious between those two people and they use the and they use the other the other hole in their neck to kind of have that bypass together it's like this is like the super the one hole and then you got the regular matrix hole the 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 one hole Yeah, the one hole. The the mo- the emotion when Carrie Ann Moss says, uh, "There's a part of me that wants to say, what the hell took you so long?" When mm-hmm. she's not fully awake yet, yeah, but it's there. Yeah, I, I love that. Uh, my because like that's the whole that's the whole the two of them the two of them at the coffee shop scene is like so good because it's like it's 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 there. They just can't. It's just it's just just out of reach. They know it's there, but like it's it's one of those things. Where, like you, it's the, the leap is too scary to make. Like it, yeah. it's it's all or nothing. Like. Nah, because like Tom, because like Neo has been conditioned to be like, look, yeah, they got two. There's two things. You're either going crazy or you're in the Matrix again. And it's like, I guess I'm crazy. They both suck. But which would yeah. you rather be? Yeah. Uh, my name is Trinity, and you better take your hands off me. Is she, awesome. She gives Chad a good that moment. That's back, a good, that's back. A good fist pump moment. Yeah. What? And uh, that was pretty and, cool. You did the you did the thing with the you did, that was pretty cool. The poser. The analyst has the whole thing where he says that he's confident that people will prefer no sentimentality or freedom. Uh, they don't want the they sentimentality. Want, exactly. Like yeah. they don't want they don't want that. Um, I think that's a great. I think that all that conclusion from the moment that they leap off the roof and it's Trinity uh, who's able to take them away. And when they come out of it and they look at each other and they hold their hands is so nice. It's very mm-hmm. nice. Um, and then, uh, and then them getting to both be the one and them coming back in and with the sunglasses and the look and people are like, well, this is the movie I wanted the whole time. And I'm like, eh. uh, it's, and, and again, <laughs> I, I think it's, it, it is really nice to be like, cause like, I think there is a version of this movie where, where Neo and Trinity do die. Um, but like that's not the story that like but this that, is so much better. This is this is so much better because it is a happy ending because both these characters did have sad endings before. Right. Um, and it is just really nice that like in a big Hollywood thing that like you can have your cake and you can eat it too in this uh, situation. Uh one hundred percent like maybe this might end up going down as like my top five favorite last shots of a film ever. Is the on. shot of them like dance flying in the sky. And like, you can clearly see the big smile on Trinity's face. Oh yeah. As she's turning to grab his hand and like the way that they twirl into the sun and everything. I'm like, that is beautiful. Mm-hmm. That is the- just so, it feels so good. Uh, it doesn't feel like a, a big action beat. It feels like such a good, like look at these two people completely in love being able to fly into the sky twirl around each other and take off and it's it's and like it's wonderful it, you have the first matrix movie which is that uh, which is cool but like this one it's but there's it's a bit more, more, more like powerful a, there's a bit more of an action no yeah there's a now he can mess up the world no yeah it's... uh and whereas this one is like they've already won it doesn't matter what happens from here yeah they've won because they've they got each other out we don't need another exactly yeah and i don't think we ever we were ever getting one like i i don't agree with people who say eh, maybe you guys say this and i don't know uh but like i don't agree with people who say the sets of the next one i think this is a close-ended no. story no, I, think this is the end. I mean no, no. I, did not, I did not think walking out of this movie i did not come out of this movie thinking we're gonna get a matrix five i'm thinking that's it they're together they're happy the, there's the, peace there's nothing else to do the cynical hollywood version of me saying like they're always this is a franchise they're always looking to do another franchise sure. the problem is 
they allowed Lana Wachowski to make this movie. I, and I, I just don't see a world where in the next 10 years you make a follow-up to this movie without Lana Wachowski. That's the thing. is like I, I think this is the end of the road for the Wachowskis. I think this is the end of the road for... Keanu this Reeves could be the, the end Moss. of the Matrix story. Again, 60 years of prequel stuff we can... We Not can, only that, like, there's, there's all kinds of things you can still... We've just gone through the comics, the Animatrix. Yeah. There are stories to still tell within the world of the Matrix. There's just nothing else that you should be telling that changes what the core of these films were. Mm-hmm. You can tell plenty of stories that work around the outside of those films. And you know what? And I think there's plenty of interesting yeah. things to explore there, but this is rock solid. Yeah, just but just just like, you know, you have your new stuff and your classic stuff, like you can get like in the future you'll get a a Matrix movie that is that is they're in the old Matrix. Why are we in the old Matrix the mystery? That's cool. I want uh, don't I want tie to anything game. with this stuff. I want a new video game. Sure. sure, absolutely. Like that's, want, that's the thing I that want. I've been. That's the thing I've been. I've been clamoring for the idea of like you know we ha- we really only have those three low budget video games, but like I want a triple A video game of the Matrix. I think that'd be I, awesome. I want the heist movie you don't know is set in the Matrix that's set like ten years before that's they still, pulled Neo out. It's still the best idea. So ever. just like just like right in the mid eighties, and then an agent like appears, and you're like, oh no. Uh yeah, I really. Oh, I forgot what I was going to say again. All right. Let's move on. You're saying you really like this movie is what it sounds like. Yeah, I do really like this movie. Yeah. I think it's really beautiful that Lana put in the credits that this was for mom and dad. Love is the genesis of everything. Absolutely. I think, that's, I think again, like, it, this is this is really nice because this is such a personal work. Uh, and I love it. it really, I love this movie. It really is. like, And it's like, it's hyperbolic. But like, in this situation, it is. This is like the most like expensive like art blockbuster maybe ever made. Yeah, like this is a incredibly personal movie that's anti sequel, anti like we anti the thing you want us to make. Uh, and I'm I'm really shocked that they are allowed to make it. That Lana was allowed to make this movie that's basically like shitting on Warner Brothers for wanting to make something worse. I think. I think, awesome. I think the Halloween. I, I think the sorry. I, I meant to. Say, I didn't want to say Halloween too, but I. I get from what you're what you've talked about with me sparks that this is similar but like I, like the tl like like the last jedi i don't think this film is an anti-sequel honestly like i don't think this film is against sequels it's against sequels that misunderstand the point of the that's original I mean. that's it's, I, it's against the, the the norm of sequels. i think it's against sequels just for the purpose of like making another product yeah i think it's that's what i mean i think it's which for, is yeah it's, it's yeah. very much for sequels that are made with a reason and like lana had a reason to make this movie like yeah. this is like uh, like out of everything we've seen in the last couple of years, like this is a sequel. I'm like, all right, cool. Like this made this one made sense. It wasn't the, just to be made. That's the thing that I I keep coming back to with this film that like that like I struggle with, and like I'm sure maybe you guys you, you guys see it, but I don't. Like when people, I might cry a little bit but when people talk about like how cynical this movie is, and I'm like, I just I just don't see it. It's not cynical to, in my in my in my mind. This is the most hopeful and optimistic film I've seen in years. This movie yeah. it, this movie is for the farthest from cynical that I've, I've seen in many years and honestly brandon a lot of that comes down to just the type of person you are who there are people who just like are more cynical than we are and like when you see a movie like this uh you you latch onto the stuff that you want to latch onto and you ignore again like you ignore the bugs section you only latch onto the 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 people around the table section talking shit yeah. about the matrix I mean, you like know? like and again like this isn't everybody like i think there is valid criticism of this film that's yeah. out there but like the, there are people who are out there who are saying like on, on platforms who are saying I wanted my matrix four to be about them finally being the machines. And I'm like, but that was just, that was never the point once you got to reloaded. Yeah. 
Like that was just that was never what was supposed to happen. Um, that was clearly not what they were structuring. And like you're you're just fighting what the story was telling you the whole time. If that's what you're, which what, what you're for, which you know that could be fair. Like they might not have liked Reloaded Revolutions either, and like they just wanted the like Terminator movie. And I get it. Yeah, I, I think it is a situation where a lot of people don't see how important the love story is to those original movies. And if they haven't seen them in a, in a while, watching this, it might be a little a little too much for you to be like. I thought the Matrixes were cool action movies and this is just about like dumb love and like we don't feel that way. Obviously emotion is very important to us in storytelling but this is a sequel to again some of the greatest action movies ever made so like this is one of those situations where I don't feel as bad if people hate it. And I I do get I do get like being jarred by the visual language being different but the fact is that like the artist behind it has changed so drastically and is, only, years. and is only half of the original team yeah but like they lana personally has changed as an artist so much from where they started and they've talked a lot about like why the matrix was the way it was and what they were expressing when they were making it and yeah. what they express now and like it, it, it's just it's unfair to expect that to be the same just like it was unfair to expect george lucas to make the exact same movies when he made the prequels oh yeah the most successful sci-fi movies of all time yeah do it again like absolutely yeah. it was unfair to expect them to have the exact same stuff going on for them and the longer again like if, if a new matrix movie came out you know four years after revolutions like it, again it would be a completely different situation like this is almost 20 years removed now um and i think just people really just wanted another matrix and that's fair i personally think you did get one just maybe not the one you personally wanted right why well, i keep going to the last jedi analogy where it's like i i think it's a perfect star wars sequel it's just not the one you wanted exactly yeah. it's not your mm-hmm. the expectation that you possibly wanted yeah yeah um, and again 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 just to drive my, my my biggest point home i just don't see cynicism in this movie i just yeah. don't yeah i think i think you're I, not looking in the right place it's will, there but there's the counter there's yeah I will, no, but I like will, i don't see it as the point it's no, not, yeah, the point. not the point. Yeah. It's it's not the point. There is cynicism in this movie. The cynicism is the cynicism over consumerist product being created rather than art being put forward. Yeah, yeah. But the movie itself is a representation of that very thing being pushed back against. Yeah. The, so like it's yeah. it's saying like that doesn't always win the day. It definitely wins the day sometimes, but it doesn't always win the day. It yeah. kind of reminds me of Tomorrowland also, where it's like the idea of like this is this is a hopeful future this is this is a, a future where let's take the film analogy again where it's like you know this is looking at like making the force awakens versus making uh the matrix resurrections where it's like yeah okay this is this can be seen as a as a product this is, is can be seen as art and like we believe that in the end art will win out yeah. Like we we believe that that is the case. It's no longer people on Twitter yelling about like, oh, this is just consumerism now. There's nothing like that. But Lana Wachowski is saying, no, I don't think we're we're in this ride forever, guys. This is this is our future. Our future yeah. is this. Our future is not this. And like I like I appreciate that much. Like I appreciate it in Tomorrowland where it's like our future is not destruction. Our future is is peace. Yeah. It it, it is an unfortunate thing that this movie is so positive. Uh, and one uh a lot of people don't like it and two it hasn't made that much money so i don't think many lessons will be learned unfortunately with this movie um as much as i'm very interested in how it's going to land just as reloaded revolutions were reevaluated like 10 years on i i wonder how people will think about matrix resurrections when we've had another decade of a lot of sequels that this one could have been that are are a little soulless or just in general films that come out that are big blockbusters I definitely, that are soulless specifically where we are now in 
in this generation of of the MCU and all that stuff. I think in the future we will like this movie so much more. Like as as a collective, like yeah. we like it. I think I think it will get that cult classic. Like oh no, this is better than we give it credit for. Uh, yeah. It's, and then it, we'll it's, be there, being like, I always knew. Episode two. I think there will be a reevaluation down the line of this film for the context of like looking back at like look at all the movies that people haven't enjoyed that would have been what they thought they wanted this matrix to be and what this matrix was actually yeah. saying about that at the time like like comparing this movie to shang chi like that's not right this like they're not the same type of movie as much oh. as like, it's called the matrix and the matrix is a kung fu franchise like they're this has more common with like dramas and like soap operas in a way which is not a bad thing but it's like it's I almost like, kind of i almost kind of would prefer there was like no action in this movie Honestly, yeah, like all the action is my least favorite parts. So yeah. I'm not saying like you have to, but I'm like I'm wondering about like is there a version of this movie that that works without the action? I do think so. I'll tell you what, like y- you keep like the opening fight, the, the the Morpheus fight, take out the Merovingian fight, take out the train fight, all the rest are fine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, oh, I th- I think I'm out of notes. Unless we want to go into the Matrix Online. No, I already <laughs> did my time with the Matrix. The Matrix Online, which is probably no longer canon. Not as much as you'd want. No. I, I, that's the research I was doing because I was like, is it canon? But like, it comes down to Morpheus. Morpheus died thinking that the machine war could never start up. In the Matrix Online, the the, the war starts up almost immediately after Neo dies. Yeah. Mm. So it's his just... Body it, hor- his body gets horcruxed. It can't be, and unfortunately can't be canon. Yeah. Certain uh, ideas may be. Sure. Rate it. Uh, ben, did you I, have any last thoughts? Oh yeah, Ben. Hey, what's up? We've dominated this conversation. You, I you love did. the Matrix. <laughs> no, you guys saw. Uh, some of you saw it twice. I saw it when it came out in theaters. I still had a really good time with it. Um, I don't. I, if I had negatives, I forgot what those negatives are. Other than that, I I think the only pushback is there were parts of action that I really did enjoy. There was like the the final scene with the helicopters with them on the on the rooftop and they jump and Trinity's the one flying. Mm-hmm. I thought that was just like, oh hell yeah! We all agree on that one. Oh yeah, yeah. When the um, when he moves this, when he moves the missile with his force power, so cool. Oh, that was so cool. That was so rad. Just on other, the defense the whole time. Other than you. other than that, I do agree with a lot of what you guys are saying, and I, I mean, I just don't get why people are constantly saying this movie sucks. This movie's this. This movie's like one of the comments I keep seeing online. Unfortunately, is like, oh this this movie is SJW woke shit. I'm like, no, it's not. This movie is Y'all. about two people finding each other and loving each other and getting out of a prison or getting out of like a virtual prison. That I don't wrong know. Franchise. Wrong franchise to say that about. Wrong franchise to say that about. The Always has been. Yeah. Always the has been the wrong. Is a trans allegory from 20, 23 years ago at this point. Yeah, that movie. It's all either, in either, either way, this movie is. I really enjoy this movie. I don't understand why so many people say all oh, that. Although I do see like. Um, why some like a lot of the people who do hand this movie are air quotes dude bros yeah oh yeah i get i get enough of the criticisms to be like yeah okay you know if you don't like this movie you don't like this movie there's a specific segment of people who don't like this movie that i'm like you're wrong there are people there are people i love that didn't care for this movie and i get it i understand why they didn't yeah why they didn't care for it yeah other than that i had a i had a blast with it so i mean do you want me to rate first rate it yeah i'll give it an eight it was fun. It was fun, long, yeah, but other than that, I was still fully engaged. It answered all my questions that I had from the last movie and why this movie was being made. And I was like, man, I'm, if they don't make another Matrix movie, I'll be content. However, they make Matrix video games. I'm all for it. 
I think Sparks had it right with the Toy Story. Sorry, Patrick Willems, but you were echoing had it right with the Toy Story Four comparison. Mm-hmm. And yeah. had another one. I think that's I think that's very apt. I think this is a more successful even version of of what that was doing. But yes, I think that's Ryan. True. Do you want to do you want to rate it next? I will give it a nine out of ten. I really like the movie a lot. Sparks. Um. It's probably it's so close to a ten. I'll say nine point five. Yeah, because uh, like there there are some issues. They're just so so minor. So I I get so much emotional value out of I, it that it's yeah. it's pretty pretty close to a ten. I just think of like if I rewatch this and I'm like I just know there are scenes that I'm like I just don't want to watch those scenes and like I it, it doesn't affect me. Yeah, yeah. But um. Takes it down a bit. It does for me. Yeah. I I put this on my top ten, so obviously I love this movie a lot. I love all the Matrix films. Um, I was very happy with this film. Uh, the it, its message resonated like crazy with me. The message about love, um, it's just something I needed in life, just in general. Um, and I, it is very close to a ten. But I think I will. Also, Brandon, come on, buddy. I think I will also go to a nine point five. There we go. All right. uh, Mag is here. Wonder if he's been on there. Yeah, uh, he messaged a while ago. He's like, just watched Word I Miss a lot, buddy. Just and, rewind the tape an hour and a half. Yeah, and he gives it a seven and a half. Too low, so Mag. Uh, Mag, and Mag, you are not part of the podcast. Uh, no, come back! I, no, I didn't see I that kid. seven point five. I, I kid. Me. I'm sorry, you didn't like it as much as we did. Brandon always asks every week for what people's thoughts are on these things. So I did. Uh, Mike Matola had a had had a bit on the first Matrix that I forgot to read out, where he was like, "It's everything the Matrix Resurrections had to say about itself." I'm like, "Sure, buddy." Um, he's wrong. He's not wrong. Um, and some and someone else said he they really enjoyed it. I sorry, I don't have your thing. Book club. Book club. Ben, yep, take it away. We'll do. So my book club this week is uh, from Spider-Man's Tangled Web. Wow. Okay, I guess I'm going full screen this time. Issue number eleven, and uh, it's written and drawn by Darwin Cook with colors with, with inks by Jay Bone, uh, Jay Bone, and color and I don't know what steps is is Matt Hollingsworth. So yeah, um, I picked this book because we're getting close to Valentine's Day. I mean, it's like what two weeks away now, give or take. And I don't think I'll, and this book was just in my head. And because I, funny enough, I had this book ever since I was a little kid. I have the physical version. It's packed away somewhere in there. I wasn't able to find it. But yeah, um, this is one of my, the one Spider-Man comic books I've had ever since I was a little kid. I found it at an airport in Costa Rica of all places and in English. And I've just read it and had it for years. And I really enjoy it. The art was the one thing that really grabbed me and I've loved it. And I decided, you know, it's been a long time. Let me let me give it a let's reread it. So, what did you guys think of this one? Well, just I, the one issue, right? It's yeah, just, just one, one issue. issue. Okay, it's cute. Uh, I love Darwin Cook's art. It was wonderful to see it again. Um, mm-hmm. I just like watching it and uh, looking at it and anything. Um, the art was really the highlight for me in this in this yeah. time around. I don't know. It's been a long time since I read a, a, a Archie comic. Yeah, <laughs> this is just Archie with Spider Man. Yeah, yeah, that's true. 
yeah, I like Darwin Cook's art in it a lot. Um, I, I, I find like the thing I liked the most was pretty much the subplot with Jameson. Mm-hmm. To be honest, um, so there's like there's a whole plot with like j- two girls going on a date with a guy, and Spider Man is like. Oh, I do <laughs> like that they both like that Peter was focused on Spider Man things and just kind of like yes, uh huh, sure. Uh, his way to take. like dates on Valentine's Day that he didn't intend to. multiple dates. Yeah, mm-hmm. which is cute. Uh, then he gets like his ass kicked, and he's just like passed out for like ten hours. Um, it's a cute story. I don't. I I honestly don't have a lot to say, but like no, the Eugene Toom things is cute, or like he's just trying to go get home to his lady too. Like it's cute. Like it's hard to talk about just a single issue and all that. Yeah, I mean it, it's a it's a single issue. What I because I mean it's a single. What I like about it is that it's a single issue, and also it does kind of tell a story for. It's not about Spider Man. It's about J. Jonah Jameson. It's about Spence. It's about uh, um, uh, Lisa and Miss K. It's about them, where Spider Man is, of course, the focal point. But of course, he's knocked down an alleyway and he can't, and he's like exhausted. He just fought the uh, the vulture. I didn't but, quite uh, like Spence's story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, I did like Jameson a lot. I did like I do like uh, Miss K and Lisa. Um, but really, that, just that art. Just any excuse to read Darwin Cook's or just to see Darwin Cook's art again is always a plus. And even when I was rereading, I was like, "Man, there's a lot of stuff in this." Because what, as a kid, I was like, "Man, this this is a pretty long book." But as I was rereading, I was like, "Damn, this is a lot shorter than I remember." Holy crap! Also, a little risque. It yeah. moves at a clip. Yeah. Um. Did you say you didn't quite like Spence's story, or did? Me? No, I did. Yeah. No, that Brandon. Yeah, I did like it. Okay, I I couldn't hear you clearly. That's why I was asking. Sorry. Yeah, I, I, uh, I did. I did. I did like it. Uh, there's one cute thing that uh, I like. Flash Thompson. So he's like, "Excuse me, doll. It seems a shame that you're all alone tonight. Why not let old Flash show you a little romance?" And she's like, "Sorry, Flash. I already, I already have a date with a guy with a job and a personality." <laughs> and Jenny's like, "Ah, you suck, Flash." Like, I, I do really like the girls painting their different like idea futures for what yeah, their life yeah, yeah. would mm-hmm. be like with Peter Parker. Yeah. I like it's the sweet. action. The action photographer Peter Parker's yeah, front yeah. page. Yeah, I yeah. think that's really fun. It ends with with a lady saying to to the to the to the, the, the the vulture, "Let's let's bang, let's make love." Yeah. yeah there's a the ending of Spider Man story is that he's just laid pass out on the ground with the two girls there, mm-hmm. being like, "Oh, Peter, we're so sorry, we upset you." <laughs> like, oh you're, my you're god, what about? He's the one who's screwed up. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I think. Yeah. Yeah, I figured this was just a nice, a little fun, quick, cute little Valentine's Day story. Yeah, so. it was cute. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't hate it. It's just like, it's just like not yeah, a lot. There, to talk about. Yeah, yeah, there's not. There, very, there's not yeah, you're right. There's not a whole lot to talk. There's not a lo- whole lot to talk about except just a don't maybe uh, put laxatives in your enemy's coffee because then their wife might drink it and they'll come back oh, to force you to drink it. Ben, I'm yeah. totally happy that you picked it because you know it was a short, quick issue, so we were able to just talk about Matrix Resurrections for way too long. So good job. I'm happy about that. <laughs> Most What's of this episode happened? for for the first time ever, the majority of this episode is our topic. topic. It was, Beautiful. yeah. Do you know what? That was not my intention. Because when I picked this book, I was like, man, I remember this book. Let's give it a read again. It's fun. It's a it's a quick little read. It'll be nice. And then it's like that was really that was a lot shorter than I remember. Remember, holy. Okay. Do you know what I think is nice, Ben? What? Ryan's pick for the book club. Hey guys, guess what? You're right, Ben. It is almost Valentine's Day. 
So um, I'm going to do something that I did for Halloween, and I'm going to pick an ensemble of, of comics that are going to read, and they're all X-Men related, baby. Mm. I love Emma Frost. That's my favorite X-Men character. She was in a relationship with Cyclops, Scott Summers, for many years, and then they're not in a relationship anymore, and it makes me sad. So uh, we're going to read a bunch of Emma Frost Cyclops stories, but first, Brandon, get your, get your pen down because i got a lot to give you. Uh, we're going to read... Sparks, you got it? Oh, you got it too. Somebody got it. I thought you... Somebody got it. All right. First thing we're going to read is Uncanny X-Men 186, Life Death. This is a solo story about Storm. Um, I'm going to read the thing here because I love it a lot. Now powerless and depressed, Storm is taken in by the mutant Forge who tries to alleviate her anguish. This is in the 80s. This is one of the best X-Men stories of the 80s. It's a little romantic. And then after that, hold on, I got, I got a list. I got to pull it up. Sorry. So first is Life Death. Second, Cable Number 6 from the 2000s run, Cable Number 6. This is a story that focuses on Emma and Scott dealing with Cable because he's a time traveler. It's very sweet. After Cable Number 6, we got Dark X-Men colon The Confession. It's a one-shot that's dealing with the aftermath of Dark Avengers when Emma was evil for a little bit. So we're going to see some Scott and Emma dealing with some romance stuff. And then finally, Uncanny X-Men 518 and 519. It's called it's a, the, the Void arc where um, Emma Frost has part of the void in her head from the century. So Scott Summers goes into her head uh, uh, telepathically uh, to try to fight inside Emma's head. And it's a pretty story. These are all love, love-based, romance-based, not a lot of action. Very dialogue heavy. Letting you guys know now, don't read this last minute because it's a lot to read and it's a lot of good character stuff. These are some of the most pivotal, like emotional stuff that happened to these characters. So I want you to actually read it and absorb it because it's a lot of influential stuff that's happening now. Like this is the reason things are the way they are now. Uh, very excited to read. So much love. Just so much love in the X-Men. What was the last two issues again? 518, 519. 518, I'm Kenny X-Men. It's in our book club notes. And I will also, yeah, you got it. I was going to say, I have all the pictures here to send you to if you need them. Cool. Um, okay. It's five issues, but some of them are like thirty pages, so it's like it's like a good trade. Yeah. All right. So that's that. Cool. All right. Yeah. Next so week, just for, just for the sake of it, downloading that sucker right now. <gasps> ah! It's so easy on Marvel Unlimited. You just type in a thing, and then Bing Bong Bong, it's there. That's how I did. Well, it. I mean, I've been wanting to download Marvel Unlimited for a long time because it's also going to save me a lot of money at the comic book store. Oh, so. It's so it's it, three months wait. You only wait three months for new comics. It's like exactly. half my pull list is gone. It's amazing. One of the reasons why I'm going to do it. Uh, next week, Moonfall. Is that next week? That's we next week. We'll find out. We'll find out. Um, yeah, stay tuned. Our month of the Matrix is over, so uh, stay tuned for whatever we do next. Woo. It'll be it'll be another episode next week. I mean, I Who know knows what it'll be about? I don't know why I was doing Ryan's. Woo! I don't know. Woo! <laughs> oh, Let's all do uh, it. I also agree with Patrick Willems' assessment that the song is probably the right choice, but not doesn't necessarily quite feel as good as you want it to. And he suggested that the song, when the movie ends, should have been uh, uh, a hopeless place. Rihanna. Uh, found love in a hopeless place, and someone cut it together on Twitter, and it's great. And I agree, it's awesome. It's good awesome. Cut. All right, Mag, of All course, right. being MVP, you take care as well, buddy. You the best, Mag. We're gonna do the. I'm gonna do the Sati. Sati. Very exaggerated. Big fan of yeah. it. I don't know why. Okay, I was happy that that she came. Was that the same? Okay, you're gonna let yell at me if it if I messes up. But was that the same? same actor? I had. Okay. It would have been. Like her. God damn it, Ben! How yeah. dare... Oh.
Uh, why would I get mad at you for that? Why they got a very, very famous person to play that character instead of the actress. That's fine. Yeah. yeah. All right. So well, that's, that's that. <sighs> Hold on. Hold on. All right. So oh, that's no. that. Um, <laughs> thank you to everyone who listens. No, I'm kidding. Ben. <laughs> I, I made a screen go away for you, audio listeners. All right. Yeah, I know you know. <laughs> Sorry, the second I said it, the, reason, the reasoning kicked in. God. All right. That's it. Stay tuned next week. We're back. Um, of course. What? Oh, he left. He probably took his screen away. You can't do that. <laughs> um, yeah, all right. Anyway, rule of three. Things are unraveling fast now. We just have to just gotta do it a third time. Rule of three. All right. Rule of three. Um, okay. Make sure to like this video. Make sure to subscribe to this channel. You can check out all sorts of things, such as Fickner's Watch. Um, we kind of discussed what we're going to do for our next Fickner's Watch stuff, so it'll probably be specials for a bit. So we don't know what we're doing as far as episode by episode yet, so stay tuned. We'll figure that out. There will be a Star Trek Discovery return, though, next week. Holy shit, it's next week. Fuck. Um, yeah. All right, Basement Arcade, Mortal Kombat X for Basement Arcade. That's, uh, that's going up. Um, based on Arcade Pause, many a new episode this week, Ben, I believe. I be- Yes, this week. I believe. Cool. Um, Fake Nerd Book Club and Animation Station also shows on this channel. You can check them all out. Subscribe, like, check them out. We love you. You can check out our Crafted by Z mask. You know, hey, still a pandemic. Buy some masks. Crafted by Z mask. Woo-doo. Um, I don't know what's wrong with me. You can check out our Patreon. You can check out our Public. If you'd like to support us financially, we greatly appreciate it. We've got a lot of cool shirts up there on Public. Um, Hey, uh, or find all these links in the description and find all these links on our website at fignerpodcast.com. Thank you to everyone who listens. Thank you to everyone who watches the, the rewind. Thank you to everyone who watches the live stream. We greatly appreciate all of your support. We love you guys. Thank you to Jeremy Bellucci for our music, all the music you've heard here tonight, all the music for all of our shows. Uh, you can find him at Jeremy Bellucci Keyboards. You can find his podcast, returning his podcast, Suburban Proctologist is in the works. It's coming back, guys. Happy birthday to Jeremy Vellucci. Yeah. Happy birthday yeah. to Jeremy Vellucci. Um, Happy birthday. Yay. You can find his podcast, Suburban Proctologist, on on iTunes, of course. But, of course, uh, Suburban Proctologist official or Instagram at Podcast. Mike Matola. Find him at TikTok and Instagram at Mike Matola. He's the guy who does some of our logos. We love him. Hopefully get him on soon. Um, do you point at that every time? Almost. Every time you mention the logos, I always point this at the, our logo because he made this logo. And it's a pretty cool logo. It's true. Oh, okay. All of it. Every oh, time you mention right. like he does our logos, this is the one he did. I, I know. I just all right. Uh, so Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, all the Victor Podcast, Victorguys at gmail.com. If you like to get in touch with us personally, I'm a BT McClure on Instagram and Twitter. I also write a, a ongoing series on Atomic Geekdom. I also write for Screen Rant. Check out those links below. Um Ben. You can find me still screaming into the void that NFTs are utter garbage at Ben Magan27 on Instagram and Twitter. You can also find me writing for Old School Gamer Magazine, the magazine, and the website, although I don't know when exactly my first article is going to be printed, but that looks good. I'll let you guys know soon. And also writing for GoNintendo.com once that website gets up and running. And finally, Fusion Gaming Magazine out in England, but they are going to bring, try to bring some stuff over here to America. Once again, I'll let you guys know when all that stuff is coming up, but uh, that's been fun. Good yeah. times. Uh, I also <laughs> forgot, I'm the I'm the editor of Kaiju Ramen Media, uh, on their website only, not there. 
Um, I also forgot that one. Uh, Sparks? Uh, you can't find me on anything else because all the products I create for you to consume are only here on the Fake Nerd Network and Family of Channels. You so, it. suckers, suck on that. You can find me painting the sky with rainbows at Sparks Witty on Instagram and Twitter as PRKZ Witty. You will not get my opinions anywhere else. And Ryan? Uh, you can find me realizing that nothing comforts anxiety like a little nostalgia mm, at DJ Tony Stark. I like that line. Real. There's that word again. All right, subscribe to us on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, TuneIn, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Amazon Music and Podcasts, and Pandora. Rate and review wherever you get us. We greatly appreciate it. Like this video, subscribe to our channel. Until next time you see us, stay fake, nerds.